G'day team, and welcome back to the Two Towers podcast, a Middle-Earth strategy battle game podcast. I'm Geordie. And I'm Albert, and this is episode nine of the podcast. Yes, um, and we're running things a bit different today, aren't we? Are. we? Yeah, it's not necessarily a single-day tournament, it's not even a double-day tournament, it is a slow-grow league. Slow-grow, yes. Yeah. They're so good. They are so good, they are so good. This one... Um, kind of came about because we in the local Geelong community we've we've had a core group of players yep. that have kind of um, come together over the past couple of years um, and been galvanized through the lockdowns of COVID mm. um, but then we've also had a number of new players or people that were kind of on the outside looking in wondering what MESBG is about but weren't really taking the the, the leap into yeah. it so a slow grow is obviously a really great way to get those people over the line. Yeah, and a, few, a few Middle Earth uh, curious people. And like they've seen us in store. Yeah. Uh, they've seen us play a few games. And I think there's been a couple of tournaments with yeah. some people like coming and loitering and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, which obviously we're here for. So yeah, this was a good way to, to, to draw them into the fold. Yeah. And so Jared, um, I don't know how it happened. I think he volunteered himself because he was talking to Dickie in store one night <laughs> about how good it would be and Dickie was yeah. like oh well why don't you just bloody do it then and so you know that's how all great things begin um and so there's 16 players I think yeah maybe it's 14 maybe it's yeah, like classic I two think... towers is 16 down to 14 um, once again I think poor Jared who's had to actually deal with this there was there was two players that that started doing yeah. it but then um couldn't continue through various things had, yeah, to, yeah. had to drop out yeah which is always the way yeah. you know especially with slow grows where it is over a period of time and, and this particular slow grow the the format was to um have just one game per month yep with the idea being that um where possible it should be a fully painted game yeah um because you know jared and i have talked about this um a lot um when we <laughs> play like we both have this real fixation of like we have to play painted. Yeah. Um, What's well, the immersion, right? Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And you know, my unrelenting, uh, OCD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, so one game per month, um, the points levels, I think off the top of my head, uh, 300, 400, 500, 600, 650. Does it go then, 650? There you go. And then 700? Yeah. yeah. Or it is, it's either that or it goes 600, 700, and then 750. 750 I can't remember. I think, yeah. Yeah. Either way. It, it doesn't get up to 800. No. And that's kind no. of on purpose to still make it an achievable end goal for the painting. Yeah. Um, yeah, 800, 800 to 1,000 is doable, but it's not quite... I don't think it's representative of our game, at least in Australia anyway. Yeah, it's interesting because it sounds like overseas there yeah. are differing opinions on where the game plays best and 800 seems to be uh, more common, mm. um, but it definitely isn't in Australia and um, I, I I love it on the, the lower end of the point scale. Give we've, me a 500 through 650. We've talked about so this. so good. We've talked yes, about this. Yes, I mean, that's fair. You've, you've heard this ad nauseum. Um, Dear listener, we won't go through it again. <laughs> but, um, so, the 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 format for the... Uh, actually, one thing that was quite cool when we were all signing up to this logo, there was kind of an unspoken... Um, intent to have as much diversity in the factions yes, as possible. Yes, that's true, yeah. So I think we only have maybe 
one or two double ups. Like there's two players doing Lothlorien and two players doing Mordor. But yeah. apart from that, everyone's doing unique factions. And yeah, so I think when we signed up, we also like mentioned the army we were doing. Yeah. Uh, ignore me because I swapped at the end, but don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, even even amongst Mordor and Lothlorien, you can build very different. Oh, lists. they're so diverse. Yeah. In the way that you I mean, can Mordor run them. has fifty different heroes, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. Lothlorien can go elite, or they can go pretty, not spam, but spam for elves. Spam for elves or pajamas. Or pajamas, um, yeah. As well. So um, that that was really cool to see, um, uh, you know that that kind of depth and diversity in terms of what people um, were bringing. Um, yes, with the format out of the way, what are we bringing? Yeah, let's go. Its victory is at hand! A new power is rising. And its hobbying is at hand. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the section in which we talk about our armies. This is going to be an interesting one. Um, I have covered my army briefly on the podcast mm-hmm. before, but I've been saving it yes. for this one because I wanted to talk about I've I've actually got some theme running. In this well, I was actually going to say that yours is a little more in depth and a little cooler. Okay. If I do say so myself, so I think let's do me first. Yeah, sure. Get me out of the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and then sure. we can jump on to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now there was an army that could have been, but let's save that mm, yeah. because I feel like that's a cool one. Keep that under the rug. Um, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, kind yeah. of cool that you've got like two cool armies. That's a lot to cover in a podcast. I'm Your making it easy still for cool. you. You're, oh, you're, don't sell yourself it. short. Right. So let's talk about your army. Um, this is an old love of yours, isn't it? Well, it's... With a new look. With a new look. The Emperor's <laughs> New Clothes. We've got the Easterlings. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Not as you've ever seen them on the tabletop, I would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> so, when the Dragon Cult Acolytes were revealed... Yes. I was like, that's a cool profile. Yes. Look, it's just pirates with armour. and Well, it's pirates with yeah. gold, shiny armour. Yeah. I like pirates. Yeah. So the first thing I did was uh, get a few Dragon Cult Acolytes. So I'm running uh, a Dragon Cult Acolyte army all the way up to 750. Fantastic. I feel like uh, if there's anyone that would get behind this, Harry Parkle would probably <laughs> appreciate this. I know that he's sung their, their high praises in the past. So, so the intention here is full ninja list. Mono ninjas. As Fantastic. Still to the brim. Um, look, you, apparently you have to take heroes. Lame. So I'm told. Lame. Mm. Um, but the good news is there's some pretty cool heroes too. Yeah, so. that's true. That's so true. at, um, well, I guess let's start 300 points, right? Yeah. That's where we're starting. Yeah. Yeah. So the 300 point rendition has Rutabi. Okay. Who's yep. the new female, uh, warrior. And she's like, oh, she's fucked. Well, she's great. <laughs> Her profile is fantastic, but she is, is she in the fluff? Is she related to the dragon cult acolytes or the dragon cult? Necessarily. I I wouldn't think she'd be part of the dragon cult. As far as I can gather. Yeah. The dragon cult is just anyone who's like high tier warrior. Question. The, sorry to interrupt you there. The dragon cult, is that a GW invention? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. It's very good. 
Yeah, I like, I like it. So I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> so I think, and other people weren't saying it, so maybe I'm wrong here, but I felt like the Dragon Emperor was a real Tolkien thing. Sure. Now, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be wrong here, but I thought that was the case. Yeah. And so I think they built black dragons around that. Yeah. Um, and if they didn't, well, I guess they didn't. They've made it themselves, which is also cool. Yeah. Um, and then the Dragon Cold Acolytes were just, I think they were supposed to be like Dragon Knights in training. Yeah. Um, and so I guess they've just sort of developed from that. So the Dragon Cold Acolytes are like high tier. So you go, I guess you go like rank and file, yeah. Black Dragon, Dragon Cult Acolyte, Dragon Knight, Amdur right. Rutabi level. Yeah, okay. I guess is the progress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, very linear career progression mm. for an Easterling mm. Warrior. It's there's very... <laughs> there's lots of there's lots of room for uh li- <laughs> horizontal expansion uh in the in the Easterling workforce. <laughs> Just need somebody to, you know, creative mind to think outside the box and, you know, create their own uh, acolytes. No, very cool. So um so talk us through the three hundred point list then. Yes, so yes. Mono Ninjas you said you've got Ritabi. Yep. So Ritabi who's I think 110, 120? Yeah. Very good. cheap and yeah, very great. good. Um, especially at, at such a low points too. Um, I'll get into that. Then it's Banner. Gotta have a Banner. Gotta have a Banner. Now, I think I mentioned that uh, I'm mounting the Banner for this one just to see how it goes. Yeah. So, Cataphract with a Banner then? Cataf- yeah. So, Cataphract with the Banner and a Cataphract with the Drum. The Drum less important Oof. at 300, but I still figure, look, who knows like, what scenario we're getting. I feel like you never leave home without them. Wow. It's so cheap. <laughs> Like at at worst, you you're spending fifteen points on nothing, and at yeah. best, it's the most important fifteen points in the list. So, you know, it's a good mode thing. Uh, and then I believe it was twelve acolytes. Uh, yeah, okay. It was between like ten and twelve. Yeah. Um, which was a good enough amount. number. Yeah, healthy um, amount for three hundred like, points. It's a lot of attacks at three hundred points, yeah, right? For sure. Like, were you to go like profile to profile, most other armies would have like fifteen to twenty attacks. This one's rocking like thirty or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so cool little cheeky list. So in terms of the, the format of the episode, um, just so that you're aware, dear listener, <laughs> um, we're going to put, uh, game one and two together. Yeah. Um, so I guess, uh, having said that, uh, maybe talk about your 400 points and how it expands out to that. Yeah. Um, so the good news is it was, it's easy. Every level up for me is going to be pretty easy. Well, when you only got one profile <laughs> to balance up, it's, it's remarkably simple. So I've chucked in a captain who's okay. the cheapest... Because Rutabi's Warband was going to fill up. Yeah. So I chucked in the captain, as cheap as I can get it. But interestingly, so I mounted the captain. Yep. I mean, that's not interesting. That's stock standard, almost. Put him on a horse. Put him on a better. horse. Why not? But I've given her a bow. Ah, right? cool. Which, there's no real rhyme or reason. I just thought it was Certainly cooler. Not in an Easterling list. Like, that's not the logical, or not the first choice that I would put. So no. what, what was the thinking behind it? Was it hobby, or was it... It was mainly rule of cool. Yeah, cool. Because, um, like, the acolytes can't have bows. But yep. here's me picturing, like, this mad-ass sick ninja who can shoot a bow real real good. Yeah. I mean, it's not representing the profile, really. No. <laughs> but it's still pretty cool. Um, still shooting a bow on horseback in very heavy armour. I mean, this is true. This You've is got true. a handicap there. Uh, and then I believe I added, because that's about 65 points, I yeah. think I got another, squeeze another three or four. Uh, acolytes in. Yeah. The important thing is that the captain now has two cataphracts to ride with. Yeah. So that that gleaming horde bonus kicks in. Yep. And uh, and yeah, I got a bunch more ninjas, so we're happy with that. It's an awesome <laughs> list. It's an awesome list. Love it. Very cool. Okay, so 
those are the lists. We know the models. Talk us through the paint scheme. Is this the traditional Geordie Easterling paint scheme that I've seen in the past? Mm. I don't think it is. No, no. We're jumping very far away from that. Doth so- my eyes deceive me. <laughs> there is no Geordie paint. There is uh, no purple. There's no purple. Um, so, of course... I want this army to be standalone as opposed to like a potential, you know, mix and match. Yeah. What I w- that's a, can I just say that's a big call, right? Right. Like, yeah. For me, I I often weigh this up, and we'll get to it when we get to my army because my basing approach is very much a uh, middle of the road. I want these to be as broadly oh, sideways compatible as possible, <laughs> right? Because I know that down the road, I might want to mix and match some things into my army mm. and therefore I want to I want to have that ready to go. But what you're saying here is this is a hard and fast no. standalone hobby project. No, naughty. No. I commend you, sir. <laughs> no cross-pollination you. here. No, no, no. Um, so, no, yeah, the, the intention is that they'll never... The two see the table together. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, look, I'm, I can, I've got plenty of ninjas to work with. I can just paint some and chuck them with them. Um, so yeah, that's the plan. You know, the and the, the color scheme differentiates heaps. Yeah. I say that the ninjas are still rocking the gold. Um, yeah. The same sort of technique that I use for the, you know, the actual Eastling horde. Yeah. I've still got that same gold, but of course, it's less. It covers less of the model. But um, and also, I want to say that it's. <sighs> Am I right in thinking that it's a little bit more muted or toned down the golden armor than your your other ones? I kind of we'll get into it when we're talking about the the paint scheme, but mm. I've got I've got some opinions yeah on this compositionally. Yes, I think it's it's potentially like the fact that the rest of the model um, brings like is a lot darker, so maybe it comes with it, yeah. or it is potentially just the, uh, the 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 brush strokes on the day. Came out a bit darker. Well, okay, because what's the talk? Um, talk us through for the listeners what the the main color is, or yes. how you yes. would describe the main color on uh, the model. Black, very Interesting. black. Interesting. Okay. No. Yes, but I would like black is almost the negative space. Right. Okay. I so gotcha. for me, the main color that I see is actually the pink. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Ah. The um <laughs> the basically the head like have little tassels and there's yeah. a bunch of mix and match like flowing cloth and yeah. alternately some of them are painted pink and like there's some head sashes and stuff like that. In particular, I'm looking at the the captain. Now, the oh, captain, well, the yes. captain stands out uh, <laughs> very much so. But uh, I I do think that, that that pink for me is the main colour. Yeah, that's on the fair. model that's because fair. the you're right. They are very dark models because they're ninjas, right? Yeah, you've got to be sneaky. Got to be sneaky, but also you've also got to you got to have style, pizzazz, little <laughs> shazam, <laughs> um, which the pig doesn't space. And and I guess that's where I was going with it compositionally um, on the model. And I don't know if this was the intent, but certainly when it comes to the captain and the pink on the, some of the other models, like that is what jumps off. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think in your main Easterling army, the armor is this quite bright gold and the purple is playing the dark yes. role. Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah. So the thing that you get in that compositionally is the gleaming horde. Yep. And this is not necessarily the gleaming yeah, horde. Yeah, yeah. These are the sneaky boys. Sneaky boys. I, I, I think that makes sense. I think you're right in what you're saying. You yeah. Know, like the, 
the fact that the the front color stays the same but the back color swaps around like yeah. it makes it look yeah changes it up changes quite it up. significantly yeah, yeah. and and i think you're right like it's good that you've approached this as a standalone force because i don't know that they would sit cohesively side by side mm. i think if i chucked them with them i would just paint these guys dark anyway and have them like yeah sure differentiate because you know i'm i'm like to do that yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but yeah yeah um so uh, the we were talking about it before off air. The actual dragon acolyte models—they're beautiful sculpts, and they're actually yes. very dynamic. Like they're po- they're multiposable, super dynamic. Particularly as far as uh, Lord of the Rings or yeah. Middle Earth is concerned. Yeah, you know, you get your box of Moranin. There's twelve poses, full stop. <laughs> you get your box of like Wood Elves, twelve poses, full yeah. stop. Like yeah. it, it goes on. I, I think the Hunter Orcs might be okay. Um, and some of the new Hobbit stuff, I imagine, is pretty okay. But these guys... I, no, I disagree. I, oh, are they I not? Totally I totally disagree. No, no, no. Like, Dale, having converted up a whole bunch for um, uh, my good friend, uh, Tubana Minis, a.k.a. Sean Rosado. Sean Rosado, yeah. Um, uh, they are dog models. Oh. <laughs> out of the box. Like, <laughs> out of, let, me, let me rephrase that. They're beautiful models, beautiful sculpts. But they are so monoposed, yeah. right? You've got to do some serious chopping and changing to manipulate them. And some of the poses are like done in such a way to uh, so as to be very difficult to convert. Like yeah. you know, when when bows are sculpted uh, kind of across a cloak, that bow's not going anywhere. Yeah, you, know, you can't do anything with that. Um, whereas with the ninjas, their arms are dynamic. Yeah, they kind of, they infer motion, which is great for ninjas because <sighs> perfect ninjas are never still, um, <laughs> and and so they give this real kind of dynamic vibe. Yeah, so the quite literally, there's three body profiles and then there's five arm profiles. Right, one of the bodies has an arm which essentially can't move. Sure, um, it's cut at the at the elbow. And it kind of has to go the same yeah. way in the same spot. Unless he's suffered a horrific injury. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's some very minor angling, but that's yeah. as best as you can do. Yeah. The other five arms, you're free to do whatever you want. Yeah. And they, like you said, they're all in like a bit of a dynamic pose. So you basically chop and change each of the ninjas with two different pairs of the arms. And you, you rotate them and then you adjust them. And you get some real cool, like, uh, like I said, the, yeah, like, like the sort of boxer stance yeah. where they're like... You know, arms are up and they're ready to go. And then you get a couple who are like chucking one of the kunai. And then, yeah. Yeah, you get so, you get a lot of variation. Interesting. Like, the having said all of that, there are no poses that look unnatural. Which I think is mm. the, the, the beauty of it as well. And quite difficult. So, it's it's I, I don't sculpt miniatures, but I can <laughs> kind of appreciate the art form of um, that... Um, balancing up the flexibility of posability yeah. versus having a really good static pose. And, um, and that must, and like you mentioned, like it's it's not something I've done or will do, but I, that must be something GW just has to wrestle with. Because yeah. you can get a perfect static pose model yeah. and like make that sculpt come out perfect every single time. Yeah, yeah. The moment you make it posable, all right. Okay, a little bit posable, it's still good. Yeah. But then the moment it's all posable, then it just... Falls yeah, apart. yeah, yeah, yeah. Things can get out of hand very quickly. Um, yeah, so, but that's not the case here. Like, every model looks unique, and yet they all look 
like they're part of the collective. Yeah, it was it was interesting going into it because you've got such a dynamic pose. Like, how would it look as a as a collective? Yeah, you yeah. you go, you know, the the phalanx looks sick because it's like a bunch of people in yeah. unison. Yeah. Where now you've got like twenty ninjas in a different pose, but but it works. Yeah, like yeah, it, yeah. it really does. It looks so cool. Yeah, which I'm I'm glad it does because I wasn't sure. <laughs> no, it definitely um, looks great as a collective, but also um, as individual models. How did you find painting them? Like, because you've painted a lot of Easterlings in your mm. time. Did you notice that that level of detail? Was that a joy to paint? Was it um, no different? Was it... No, they're very fun. So they're covered... Uh, they're, the armour is more sprinkled on, which yeah. is fine, which is yeah. great. So I still get to paint the armour, but it's a lot less, <laughs> a lot less, which is great. But then they they covered in like a bandage type thing across like some of their arms and some of their legs, yeah, okay. which is cool. Like it's a bit of texture basically. Yeah. And then they're wearing like uh, an armor underneath, and then of course they're covered in those like various cloths that like hang about them. Yeah, it was just great to paint. They're, like they're very naturalistic, but it was they've still got enough to work with, so it was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah. perfect balance, as with all kind of Forge World based models, is mm. like. You know, it's not overbearing with detail, but there's enough there to keep you actually interested. And when they have massive fucking guns, which was <laughs> sick. <laughs> there was, look, there's a, <laughs> the, the model got memed for a little bit because they're tanky as <laughs> shit. Yeah. But then you, like, you, you know, paint them more normal and they look fine. Yeah. Yeah. The, also though, there was that whole kind of discussion around like, you can't give us a model that looks this ripped and only be strength, strength three. three. Yeah, they, <laughs> these boys are strength five minimum. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the, so you mentioned, and I kind of skimmed over it. So apologies. But you mentioned, in your opinion, the main color is black. Yes, yeah, yeah. For the army, in in, um, in in this case, and so is the intent that these guys are painted like night fighting, or is it that they are actually just black cloth kind of concealment? Vibe? Good point. Considering I've done a, a night based army, no, it's just black cloth. You yeah, know, cool. that's this is as if the light was hitting them. They're just normal yeah. blending into the shadows. Which and I think is almost cooler yeah, as well, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, That's definitely the way to go. In the shadows, in broad daylight, what are you going to do? Um, very cool. So, what, what, like, how have you approached painting that black? Because black for me is a color that I have always really struggled with painting in terms of like getting uh, contrast or light into it. Yeah, um, right. That's an interesting question. So, I think the good news here and this might not be the case for all models that have to use this but the good news here is that these models are pretty noisy yeah. as far as the rest of the model yeah um so actually this black was quick and easy because it's it's quite minimal so i just painted black with a bit of blue like yeah. a dark blue i think it's cantor blue yeah to be specific but any dark blue would do mix that paint that and then I did like, I think two layers mixing white in. So it's like a 50-50, yeah. sorry, it's mono black, then it's like a 50-50, and then it's just, you know, 50-50 of that with 50 white. Yeah, okay. uh, it's probably not even that harsh actually. 10. It's probably like 70 and 30 or something like yeah, that. Okay. And, okay. and just small layers, like, there's not a lot put into this black, but it's because the rest of the model has lots of colour. That, yeah. Like you said, the black is negative space anyway. Yeah. So the less attention to it, the better. Yeah. And it, 
it definitely sells that like hey this is black cloth and yeah, that's all yeah. we needed yeah yeah uh, it's not on uh, not over complicating it which i think is um the right approach and it's one of those things when you're painting a model with the overall scheme in mind then you you can you know like i would i would get hung up on the black <laughs> right and want the black to look good without realizing that's on the black job mm. In this, in this um, paint scheme, it's there to provide contrast to the rest of the mini, um, yeah. which it does. It does it really well. It's great. So um, we've talked quite a bit about the overall scheme, but shall we talk about some of the, the special models in the list? So, Key players. Um, yeah. Who do you want to start with? Ritabi or the uh, captain? I think Ritabi's... We'll go with her first. Sure. Because she's closer to the ninjas, you know. She's pretty similar. Yeah. Um. So Ritabi is a sick model. She's cool. Um, again, Forge World just does a good job generally. The what I didn't like about the original pose was the fact that the shield just covered up all of her. Yeah, it's, like, and it's a significant. Um, it's, it's a big old shield, like it's big shield as big as her basically. Um, so with that in mind, I did did a bit of a re-sculpt and just sort of. Minorly, I think chopped the arm maybe, and then refilled. Looks like it's chopped just before the, just underneath the armor. Yeah, 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 which is the natural place to chop it. And so, and you've kind of cranked the arm further out. Yes. So it's opening up the pose, and I actually, yeah, it's done a lot. It's funny how small conversions do a lot to a model. It changes the model completely Mm. because before she's and look, fair enough, she's locked into a shield wall. I get it. But it covered up too much of such good detail. Like, it covered yeah. all. So... Yeah, this looks like a model that a... can master of battle. Yeah. She's in, like, a more heroic type pose. Yeah, she's, like... I agree. ...open and chest up, and she's ready to go. Yeah. The the other thing that I like, since we're talking about the shield, is um, the, the way that it was painted on the box art for GW, it felt messy and, like, too busy yeah. because they had, like, three or four different colors on it it was like a red and then maybe black and gold i think so red black and gold and it was like ugh, it's a bit much whereas you have gone with uh basically monochrome or you know black with a with a highlight um and i'm seeing more green in that highlight yeah Yeah, is that right so like i i read it as kind of that um where we you get the oxidized metal kind of vibe is that what I'm you going a different for? vibe here, but that's okay. It's right. similar. So the the concept was that like Easterlings, as far as I I remember from like documentaries of whatever filming Lord of the Rings, they're based on a few different cultures. One of them yeah. being like Japanese, yeah, um, and like East, East Asian sort of thing. Yeah. So what I wanted with Rutabi because she's meant to stand out, right? Yeah. But her model is so innocuous, easy to lose in the Gleaming Horde. So I wanted her to stand out. So I, I gave her what's sort of alluding to, like it's definitely not attempting a to be, but it's just like sort of allude to that like jade yeah, type okay. material. So she's rocking like gold armor, but then her, her shield and her sword, uh, the hilt, is is that sort of jade uh, greenish sort of thing going on. And she's got a couple of jade um, kind of gems in her armor as well, which kind yep. of ties it, ties it together as well. So that's really cool. I I really like the the jade vibes, and um, it's it, it's so much more impactful having that dragon in yeah. a single kind of 
color scheme as opposed to a various. Yeah, and like that, the dragon like symbol that's sculpted onto her shield looks cool. Like, make it the forefront, right? Yeah. Whereas the G Dub, yeah, heavy metal team or whatever, it was like gold onto red onto gold onto red. And you it, lose it. It got lost. You yeah, lose yeah. it all. And and um and you're right. I actually the when I saw the G Dub one, I actually didn't like the insignia on the shield just purely mm. because it looked too busy. But the way that you've painted it, it actually sells it a hell of a lot better um, with the with the dragon. So that's really cool. I like that one. Yeah. So Rutabi, sick model. The only tie-in is her. She has like this little clasp to like hold her cloak together. Um, and so that's the color tie-in. Yeah. So she's yeah. I mean the black as well, of course. Yeah. But as far as that little pink thing. That's oh, she's going got on, the little pink tassel as well. A little pink tassel. But yeah, yeah. Th- those two things kind of tie it back, yep. which is really cool. Yeah. Uh, and that's all it needs. But and again, color theory wise, like the green and the pink kind of play off one another quite nicely. Mm. In an unobnoxious way, because that's yes. a color combo that I've seen used obnoxiously in the past. Yeah, I think they're both very muted yeah. versions of their colors, so it, it, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah, 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 they play nicely together, um, which is really cool. Uh, but, favorite model of the list has to be this captain, right? Now, I remember you um, sending me a, a photo of the... Um, the, the particular bow because yes. it, it's a bow armed captain which we talked about it in <laughs> yep. the list construction being kind of not the normal so what have you used for the models for yes this one? so the base model is a dragon knight and look little did I know um, I'm sure it's going to change when Defense of the North comes out but they're actually out of production <laughs> yeah yeah so here's me chopping this dragon knight <laughs> There's no greater feeling than uh, <laughs> chopping an OP model up. Like, that's ultimate it's like power. opulence. <laughs> there's eating caviar and then there's <laughs> chopping up OOP models. Um, but no, so in order to, to get it how I, I sort of pictured it looking, um, I had to rejig a few things. So I've rotated her head. Because, like, it looks natural in the Dragonite model, but I, the way that I pictured her looking was way different. Yeah. So yeah. then... Um, yeah, I've rotated a few arms and I cut and like put one upwards and then I've re-sculpted, like I've cut the sword off, of course, yeah. and then left the hand and uh, now I've got the captain pointing. Classic captain pose. They just love doing it. Captains I don't know love why. Pointing. <laughs> the thing, so what you're saying about the head repositioning is really important too because a captain will never look where they're pointing. No. Right? Oh, absolutely they're, not. They're telling somebody else, you're going over there, and I'm not even going to look where I'm pointing, but that's where you're going. <laughs> but it's very important. Very right? important. Um, um. And you nailed it. <laughs> 10 out of 10 would point again. <laughs> um, uh, but let's talk about the bow, because the bow is very, very cool. Because you had this really specific idea that's yes. in your mind. Yeah. So, so I think either... I think we may have mentioned it, and if we didn't, we did it. I mentioned this off-air that that Eastlings are at least in part influenced by Japanese culture. Yeah. So what I wanted, what I sort of thought was like, well, if I'm going to give someone a bow in this list, let's give them like the Yumi bow. Yeah. Now it's, it's only called the Yumi bow in Western cultures in Japan. That's just bow. Um, so, so what I'm saying right now is bow bow, which is great. <laughs> um, but that's the, a true gaijin. Yeah. <laughs> but like the Yumi bow has like, Basically, it's it's like 30%, 30% of the boat, like maybe 20% of the boat's underneath, and then the rest is like on the over 
on the, the, on the top part. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's very like, distinct geometry. Like it, it almost looks like part rear curve bow, part flat bow. If that yeah, makes sense. yeah, yeah. Like the the bottom, like yeah, curves out, and then the top is just like long bow. And yeah. It's, anyway, they look, look it up. Cool. Look yeah, it up. Yeah, look Yumi it up. bow, Japanese <laughs> bow. It will all make sense. And also, I've got to say, you've absolutely nailed it on on the model. So talk me through how you did it. Like I know how you did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, because I I know that bow I would know that bow anyway. But um, talk talk us through for the listeners. So it's very interesting, and I I wasn't sure if it was going to work. Yeah. Uh, so I just kept I had an Eastling bow, cut it in half. Yeah. Glued that down the bottom. That's the bottom part. That's yep. the small part. Yeah. Even and the Eastling bows are actually quite big generally. Yeah. Compared yeah. to like I don't know Gondor and Rohan and stuff, they're like long bows compared to those. But then <laughs> the top half is a Gladrum bow. Yeah. Um. Chucked on top, glued it, and the unpainted. It didn't it didn't sell quite right. Like they, the long, the bottom was too long to me. Right, and then the top was like not quite. Big didn't enough. have quite the the length or the height to it. But yeah. the good news is, uh, of course, dear listener, hopefully you'll have looked at these photos. That it it works. Like yeah, the composition yeah. works. Yeah. Um, it's funny, you know, like innovation. I heard a good definition of innovation many years ago, and this strikes me as as a, <laughs> as a good example of that. And innovation isn't about inventing something new; it's about taking something that's pre-existing and using it in a different way to innovate. Mm. And that's what this is with in terms of the Galathrum um, bow. Like it, it, as soon as I like I as soon as I saw it, I knew that that's what it was. <laughs> yep. But I also saw that it was the perfect piece in that puzzle yep. to nail what you wanted in terms of the the um the aesthetic um which is amazing to be able to do that right like it's so it, seemingly so simple that's what i was going to say it was the simple solution yeah and i was like is this going to work yeah, yeah, yeah. right yeah, yeah, yeah. which is Jump great down. oh it's so good so good um and the the painting style i think i alluded to it um before because i'm looking at the army um irl and the army's a little bit further away, and the thing that popped <laughs> off the table to me was the um, the captain because she has very um, high contrasting robes. Yes. Is something you like to do a little bit with your captains slash dark marshals? <laughs> yeah. So um, all the ninjas have the gold armor, stock standard. Yeah. Um, all the armored parts of this army are just rocking the the like silver steel type look. So they've just got the the classic like black through up to white sort of NMM yeah. type look. Um, of course, we know Easterlings just always look cool no matter what. Yeah. Um, and good news, yeah. they look cool in, in silver steel armor too. Yeah. Uh, and then to, um, to to play off that, and it was just always intention is to to chuck on that cool, uh, like I wanted them to be, to, to have this like sick pink. Yeah. Um, it's built off the same base colors as the Kandum army. Uh, listeners from uh, yeah, yeah, Silmaril. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't want it to be... And, and I guess it's a good show of the same colours doing different things. I didn't want it to be sickly. Yeah. So I think it's it's just got... It's got more dark, but then it's got more light all throughout. So that way it's just like, this yeah. is united. This yeah. is a united colour as yeah. opposed to the fade. Yeah, what I was going to say was the gradient. Yeah, the gradient yep. cells that something's kind of leaching or, or kind of putrefied, whereas this is more vibrant. For me, it's just like cherry blossom. That's yep, what I exactly. That's that, what I, 
that's the whole intention of that pink sort yeah. of color is to yeah which to link in with the cherry blossom. is so awesome good, and, and good pick like the <laughs> thank you uh the the armor in this instance is performing the same role i would say as the black mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. the other models yep and i i'm assuming that's the intent with not giving the captain gold armor so that you still have that contrast in that play and again by turning the like by making the armor dark you then further heighten the pink. Yes. So yeah, it, it becomes more impactful. I, I wanted them to be silver for that reason, so that it's it's got a contrast on the model. Yeah. But then the black also ties in with the black. So when you see it all together, the ninjas are in their clad black and she's in her like silver steel black and it still yeah. links. Yeah. Uh, they're going to look different, but it still like has that link. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's really cool, man. It's really cool. And they do link, but again, they they are... The more that we talk about your armies, the more that I think about this idea of um, variation within the theme. <laughs> I think I've nearly got you. You've I think you're like, dude. Like, you're, there's the the hook dangling with the worm. Yeah, and yeah you are yeah. looking yeah. at it just centimeters away. The only issue is my my relentless OCD of everything must be painted exactly the same. Yeah. Yep. Um, but who knows, maybe one day I will stray from, uh, my reason path into madness <laughs> and, um, no, it's, it's really cool. Um, so the last model that we haven't talked about is the banner and this, this is a familiar banner. Yes. Only a few episodes ago, would you remember this from my Angmar list? Yeah. The multifunctional, multinational banner of all things evil. <laughs> Um, when I was putting together that banner, though, I did feel like... Because it's, it's basically got kind of like a Tory gate built into yes. the base of it. So, it does have real kind of east, um, you know, eastern vibes to well, it. Well, when you had finished it and printed it and were giving it to me, you had mentioned that. You yeah. were like, oh, is this for your Easterlings? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> but it should be. <laughs> Hold that thought. Um, yeah, and uh, I think it works really well. And that is vindicated by... Is it the Dragon Emperor that has... He does actually, he doesn't he? He basically has that symbol on, on the top of his um, palanquin thing. Because, of course, uh, by the time this released, Defense of the North has been out for like a month or two. But <laughs> by the, at the time of recording, <laughs> we're, we're a mere week away from the most anticipated release in MESBG history. So... Um, when when we finally do get our hands on the Dragon Emperor model, uh, it could be at the time of releasing this episode, <laughs> uh, we'll be able to com- kind of compare yeah. that. And, and I might go back and remodel um, a banner based on what that Dragon Knight Well, you won't need is. to do much. It's basically, yeah. It's, it's almost there. It's identical. Because um, he was released and we saw the, the, the silhouette and we're like, oh, whoa. Yeah. Full unveil there. You're right. Like on top of the palanquin, yeah. there's that freaking eye stylized stylized symbol. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, it's very cool. It's very we were cool. ahead of the game, mate. Oh, mate. Months, months. <laughs> I mean, we're behind the game in terms of releasing the podcast, but we're ahead <laughs> of the game in every other way. Um, no, very cool. And that's on a another dragon acolyte boy. I yeah. Can see. Yeah. Now, yeah so is he? Is he? Can acolytes take banners? Absolutely or? not. Yeah. Absolutely not. What is it with being an elite soldier and no longer being able to wield a banner? I was about to say because they're not worthy, but it's like holding the banner was kind of like the big... That's their jam. (laughs) That was the important part of all the... Well, I mean, I guess in their defense, ninjas and banners aren't necessarily... You know, the two should... Ninjas and banners don't. But what if 
What if? It was a pokey eye. Uh, yeah, maybe. So, <laughs> of course, uh, dear listeners, as I always do, I've got a banner dismount, basically. Yeah. So, it, most times, like maybe eight times out of ten, it will get, like the, the cataphract will die and there's a ninja nearby. Yeah. The ninja can pick it up. Yeah. And uh, once they've picked it up, well, guess what? <laughs> they've found a new weapon. Yeah, and I tell you what, the 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 posing on it looks fantastic as well. Mm. Like, very cool. It, there was minor chops and changes to the arms, but yeah. like, it's negligible. You wouldn't know. So. No, uh, it looks very natural, and I really like because you know you you've seen the the banner previously, and you'll see it again um, in these images. But it does have a very sharp, pointy spear mm. end, so. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it is the most functional of banners uh, in terms... You know how people always put a spear support on their banner? Yeah, and you're like, like, how does that work? Yeah, come on. <laughs> where are they hiding that spear? Because there's no spear in it. This is, this is one of the few times where that's actually uh, very much applicable. Well, and the other cool thing just generally is, you know, banners are wafty and loud. You know, yeah. you get caught in the breeze, there's this, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. ruffle of the, of the cloth. Yeah. The ninjas, they've got to be sneaky. Very silent. So if you're going to have a banner... You know, it's got to be, well, it's not going to be a banner. It's got to be a sigil, you know? It's got to be sneaky. Yeah. So, I like that effect too. Yeah, not yeah. that not that in any real sense these guys are going to do ninja work, but you know. Yeah, especially if you've got a charging bunch of cataphracts. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's literally the other end of the uh, spectrum in terms of uh, being silent and um, unheard and unseen. <laughs> no, very good. But I think we've offered on quite long enough about my ninjas, as cool as they are. How about uh, your list? I know you've got a lot to say. Yeah, okay. So um, so this is a list that l- listeners you would have um, seen and heard about in episode seven of the podcast when we went to Accent or Sword. Or Sword, yes. Um, so fiefdoms. Fiefdom list. Um, this has been... I've always wanted to do a fiefdoms list, but there's always been a block. Mm. Um and I've kind of fallen in love and out of love with the GW models a number of times. And I think in the previous podcast, we had talked about my kind of standoffishness with regards to the Swan Knights and their lofty helmets, mm, mm. especially the original metal sculpts. Ah, yes. The eight foot tall helmets. Yeah, Not bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, they were so out of control. Um, so... When and I, and I touched on this again, like when Medbury did their release of it, I jumped on board that and much preferred um, the aesthetic there. And that was kind of the tipping point, like because I always loved the the idea of the fiefdoms in terms mm. of um, you know having these distinct warrior groups all with their own kind of vibe. I I do wish that G Dub um, had have expanded them a little bit more. Yes, because you had mentioned a couple that I hadn't even. Uh, yeah, heard the of. one the one that sticks in my mind uh, are the Knights of Pinathgalen, which are I th- like they have green heraldry, um, okay. and that's something that I, I want to try and explore more as I develop the the army. Is like how do I keep it cohesive? Um, like we we're just talking about my OCD <laughs> of everything looking the same, but trying to paint 
things slightly differently. So like maybe the axmen of Losanark have a different accent color or maybe there's something in the basing. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't mm-hmm. quite figured it out yet. Or they're just a whole different color. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. So close. Uh, <laughs> um, and like, you know, the the clansmen of Lamadon, they've, they've got their kilts, yeah, right? Yeah. And so each, each um, area has their own thing. And... Um, uh, and so the, the, the idea for this whole slow grow, uh, or the narrative behind it is that Prince Imrahil is gathering his banners. So the idea is that each round, um, and I've, I've like even drawn up a map. Yeah. This, yeah. Right? This was cool. So in the, in, when I was thinking about it, I was like, okay, so Prince Imrahil is going on this journey, um, throughout the fiefdoms to gather up the different Lords basically. And the end goal is to head to, um, the Pelennor. It's not necessarily like War of the Ring exact. No. Right. Like this would be a different engagement, perhaps like, you know, he's going to reinforce, the garrison at Pelagia or maybe he's going up to um, Osgiliath or, or yep. whatever yep. it is. Like it's it's not when they literally come up to the Pelennor. Yeah, in, it, it in, could in be the like the the walls of fucking blank the, blank. The Ramasakor. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, so um, th- that that's the the thinking of it. And so originally when I started crafting the lift it lists, it was like okay, cool. So. I, I was looking at it of like, well, Emery Hill goes and gets Forlong and then for, and then they go and get um, Angbor and then they finish off um, with the Blackroot Vale Archers. But then I actually had a look at the map. Yeah, right, right, yeah. And I was like, well, if the end goal is to go to the Pelennor, then he wouldn't pick up Forlong the Fat first. Forlong uh-huh. would actually be the last stop before mm. going there. So I had to kind of rethink things and that's what actually drove the list composition at each of the different um, points levels. Yes. So at 300 points, let me just get into the list very quickly. 300 points is just Imre Hill at um, Dol Amroth. So he's setting out Easy. with his household knights. Um, so he's got three knights on horse and then a kind of a handful of knights on foot and then a few trusty men-at-arms um, with pikes, right? Mm. And they're all in their kind of their Dol Amroth heraldry. And that's um, strong at 300, isn't it? It's a fantastic yeah, 300 that's list. that's real strong. Because you've got Imre Hill who hits like a truck and then three Cav to support him. So that's like a really significant... And you got um, like a battlefield banner. Yeah, yeah. battlefield anyway. wide. All right. <laughs> and he gives everyone a fight. True, he's got the, the three-inch bubble and yeah. the lower points goes, the more likely you are yep. to cover in three inches. Yep, and, wow. all, yeah. and all of the troops that I'm taking all get that buff because yeah. that buff only um, goes on to the knights and the men-at-arms. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't extend beyond that. Anyway, game aside. Back game to the cool stuff. So 300, they're setting out. Where do they go first? Well, the first stop is actually up to the clansmen of Lamadon to pick up Angbor the Fearless. Hell which yeah in my mind, is the coolest yeah, yeah, group he's, of he's guys. Cool, yeah, like, yeah. He's, he's a dude. In the books, he's the coolest. He um, He's the only one that comes out when the army of the dead are walking through his lands. He's like, whatever, dude, yeah, come well, at me. I'll take you. Yeah. Oh, I don't have to? Well, I would have. Just yeah. let that be known. <laughs> let the record show. <laughs> I would have gone you. Yeah. Um, so, 
uh, at 400 points, it's basically the 300 point list, but I add in some Clansmen and Lamadon. And four, and what, right. four or five lads. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And so um, the list doesn't really, it doesn't really matter. It's like this journey that they're going on. Yeah. Um, and then so as, slowly as they progress, then um, they'll go up uh, and get some Blackroot Vale archers. So Dwin here and his lads um, will come along. Um, and then they'll head towards the Pelennor and pick up for along with that. Um, and it was also kind of a conscious decision as well. Like it made sense from a thematic point of view, but also Imra Hill and Forlong, as I found out when I took them at the Axe or Sword, like that's a formidable um, yeah. combination. <laughs> there's a reason. I mean, obviously Imra Hill's the auto include, but there's a reason Forlong's always second, his totally. second fiddle. Like totally. He's good. He's very good. Very yeah, good. He's got a war spear and a war horn built in. And strength five. That's right. Really anyway. It's ridiculous. Enough about it. <laughs> but, so, so I didn't want to just take, like, Imri, like taking Imrahil in a slow grow is obnoxious enough, you know, mm. for, for new players to deal with. But then to have um, Falling the Fat on top of that, it's just, it's too much. Too much. <laughs> um, and also... It didn't make sense in terms of that map and that journey that I had um, drawn out. So, um, well, and as you said, now we get to have more Angbor, which which is what we're all here always for. Always a good thing. The, always a good thing. The uh, the redeeming feature of the fiefdoms is that single profile. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's yeah, so yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's such a great model. And and so when I started this project, I I it's funny how projects kind of evolve. So. I had first envisioned this army to be a full 3D print. Mm. Um, and I think I mentioned that in the Axel Sword. So, you know, Medbury miniatures. I sold all of my old medals um, and uh, in favor of doing these 3D prints. I've since kind of come back and gone, well, what's actually more important to me is diversity in miniatures. Mm -hmm. So I have printed out all of the unique sculpts that Medbury has and I've mirrored a couple so that they look a little bit different yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I've gone back and I've bought some G-Dub hey. so I've got G-Dub the um, Clansman and the Axeman yeah, the, the cool. troop set um, and whilst I really love the um, the Angbor the Fearless that Medbury sculpted I actually prefer the, the GW one yeah, just because yeah, he's yeah. he is fearless <laughs> he is chasing down the hill like a madman um which is really cool um i actually prefer medbury's forlong so i'm going to keep yeah that one. I, I would agree there um yeah. and then the dwin here model is not great and i actually don't like using um the ranges of middle earth gw models because they oh. they feel <laughs> like they their profile is elite in any other situation um, whereas the Blackroot Veils feel like they're more traditional archers. Yeah, which is actually cool, because it's... The Rangers profile is always... I don't know, it felt a bit weird to me, the fact that they're, like, yeah, dead shots, but then they're fight four. Yeah, I know. Like, where does it come from? Like, yeah. I, anyway. I, I actually <laughs> I actually really like the, the, the Blackroot But the Blackroot is so much better. Because yeah. it is, like, they're archers. Yeah. And when they get into combat, they'll fall over yeah. very quickly. And it and and it no longer like it's it's great having them as the lowest fight in the army. 
Like everywhere else is fight four, which kind of doesn't make a whole lot of sense for some of them. No, that's okay. The the, the clansmen are fight four because they're so fucking sick. Yeah. And then the axemen are fight four because they're fat. So yeah, okay, all yeah, right, it I'll, makes sense. I'll allow it. <laughs> the the one that annoys me is the men at arms. I just do oh, not right, think gotcha. that they should be yeah, fight yeah, four. Yeah. I yeah, I can I can take fair. the other ones, but I feel like men at arms should inherently be fight three. But that's and and then um, the Prince Imrahil buff is to get them up to fight four. As yeah, opposed exactly. to them going toe to toe with elves, which is like no, that, that, no, <laughs> you don't get to do that. Back in your box. <laughs> um, so, so it's interesting how these things kind of evolve. So, um, I'm kind of picking and choosing and mi- uh, mixing and matching between 3D print and GW, and I haven't actually really landed on where I'm going to get to with my Blackroot Veil Archers because I haven't got to them yet. But yeah, they're, yeah, they're yeah, coming yeah. next. But the um, the knights from Medbury, fantastic. Oh yeah, right. The men at arms love them, um, and since painting up the first batch of um, men at arms, Medbury has released a bunch of pikemen, Scotsmen pikemen. Um, oh, no way! Yeah, yeah, and and so the idea is the list grows that more men at arms are joining, but from different men at arms, yeah, yeah, yeah quote yeah. unquote. Yeah, oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Um, so the the men at arms from Dol Amroth are like these very regal blue silk tunic yeah, yeah. sash boys, and the the uh, men at arms that are going to join them perhaps at Lamadon or maybe Lossenark. Um, are going to be wearing like gambeson and be much less blue, yep. more kind of browns and creams with just like a Maybe little some pop. reds. <laughs> All right, we're not getting... Still no. No, no, come on. No, there might be actually, there might be. Spoilers. They're in, in the... Did we get him? In the, in the, uh, in the tartan. Mm, very a, good. Scottish red. Um, no, the... But, so, let's talk about the painting. Yes. Right, so a couple couple of episodes before a couple of episodes ago, we were talking. I think this is in the Khan Doom episode for Sil. Okay, yep. we were talking about the your your approach of taking a single paint, manipulating it with black and white, and yeah, that's something that I've taken on board for this um, painting session with the blues for Dol Amroth. Heck yeah. All right. So, um, starting with Dark Reaper, which is a Games Workshop blue, and then adding in a little bit of Vallejo Field blue, I think, um, which is a very grey blue. Yep. And then dumping um, quite a bit of black into that for the base coat and then highlighting up just using um, white, basically. That colour mixing white? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, that, that whole process. And again, because... I started painting these as 3D, these 3D printed models. 3D prints generally don't like washes as much as plastic or oh, metal, right? Because you do have very, very fine layer lines. So as soon yeah, as you put a wash okay, on that, that sense. it kind of highlights that. Yep. Um, so this, that forced me to just not use a wash, um, which is fine because I don't need a wash. And turns out the wash has been a crutch that I've been <laughs> leaning on for a really long time which actually doesn't speed up my painting process. That's been the really interesting thing. Yeah. Right? Of like factoring in the dry time with a wash and then highlighting back up and then having the frustration of a wash light pooling in a way that I don't yeah, want it to. Gotcha. Yeah, and yeah, going, yeah. well, that's too dark. That shouldn't be that dark. That should actually be lighter. And then trying to kind of blend it up. It's like I spend more time fixing the mistakes of a wash than just mm. layering. 
problems right. I will never know. <laughs> well, and it's, and it's really interesting, right? Because you, you, you get sold this, this story of like a wash. It's, it's liquid talent in a bottle. And that's like, yeah, it is to a certain extent, right? Yeah. But then with any technique, there is limitations in yeah, what, yeah, yeah. what you can actually do. And, and I think wash, washes are only actually like glazing is fun. Yeah, yeah. Right. When you're actually controlling where the color is going and tinting and shading things that way. Um, and so, um, yeah, that, that's been the approach with the blues. Um, and then um, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of like, I feel like I've painted this scheme before with my dwarves yes. many, many moons ago, but doing it in a slight, like using slightly different techniques. Yeah. When, when I saw the knights, I was like, oh, that's similar. Yeah. But it's, it's quite clearly done differently and is different. Like yeah. it sells differently. Yeah. I just went, oh, that's that cool. Like, um. That's that cool sort of like skyish, greyish yeah. blue that Albert has on his dwarves. Yeah. But then I look closer and I'm like, oh, no, not quite. Yeah, it, the the tone's slightly different, and and that's just down to the technique of adding in that white and pumping it up that way, and then um, that cool the cool blues are offset with a warm cream, um, which I've just kind of found stumbled into this way of painting cream cloth that I. <laughs> will just forever use because it's just easy like bane blade brown um as a base coat yeah and then bane blade brown's a great color fantastic oh love good it. i love good. it because 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 you're because these were on this struck me on your what was the arnold group uh yeah the the so, little militia dudes in arnold yeah the um they were the cardinal um uh, warriors that I took um, with the dwarves. Yeah, at the time. yeah. yeah. The, that that color really stood out to me on those little yeah. on those miniatures because they had I don't know silvers and blues everywhere else or, or whatever. But then like they had like the under the gambeson, the gambeson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was yeah. like, that looks sick. Yeah. So I kind of perfected it on those Arnold warriors, yeah. and it's just been an kind of an evolution of that. And it's funny when you like. Talk, listening to a lot of different painters like there's different different things progress at different rates so at some points you're learning a new technique and that technique changes the look of how you paint um, and then the next phase is you're not necessarily changing how the miniature looks but you get faster at it yeah if that makes sense yeah, so yeah. like I had established how to do it and then this time I just got faster at it so um, it's a really simple like Bane Blade Brown as a solid base coat and then just mix in progressive Wraithbone, um, which is the, the, the contrast paint base coat. Okay, the contrast paint. Yeah. Oh, right. Because I've never used them and I thought they were like meant to be like a... That's like touch up. For, yeah. Touch up on your... When you stuff up your contrast. But I actually really like it as a creamy beige cool. that isn't too bright. Um, so, um, and it's just got the right, like it, there's something in the hues that m mixes really well when you mix it with Bane Blade. Um, so it just makes high, the transition and highlighting really, really clean and you don't have to work too mm. hard for it because the paints are mixing so well. You're like, you're not, it doesn't feel like you're fighting it. If that makes sense. So creams, um, the amount of armor I wasn't going to do NMM. 
I am going to do NMM. I'm going to challenge myself, but it's not going to be on this army. No, no, right. That's that seems fair. That's reasonable. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm 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 going. I've stuck with um, true metallics, and the thing that I'm going to challenge myself on this one, once I've painted through the whole army, is to go back and do an oil wash over all of the metallics, right? And see how that works, because that's something right. that I haven't so, played with. So before. make it darker, and then like. Do you plan to bring it back up? Well, the that's the thing with the oil wash is that my understanding is that, and look, I'll find out <laughs> when I actually do it. Um, no, so you get your gloss varnish, seal the whole model over, and um, and then you put your oil wash over the top of it because it is a um, has like really low surface tension. Yeah. It flows into the recesses and keeps the highlights pure. The right. other part to an oil wash as well is that it stays active for like eight hours, right? So you can come back in with a cotton bud mixed with some mineral spirits and rub off um, the ah uh, okay. the remaining stuff. So like, yeah. so you've got a high point on yeah, a pauldron. Yeah. You just rub Good. off, and that and that rehighlights yeah, 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 it. Yeah. So it's like it's self shading and self highlighting. Exactly, yeah. So it's like a reductive cool. reductive process, and that's something that I really want to try and get into more. I think it'll be more beneficial in like upcoming evil armies where you can like really grime up and grunge yep. up yep. models um, and play with it that way. But um, that's one of the new techniques that I want to try on this um, army at the end. But I only want to do it in like a, a big batch. So everything basically has to be fully painted and then go mm. back over the top and finish it with that. So that'll be down the, the, the track. I don't know if when we're taking photos for this podcast, that stage will have happened. No. Um, but dear listener, I have, uh, or at least will have... <laughs> Painted all of the the models properly this time. Yes, um, at each of the, the the months that we we play, and that's a good thing to maybe to maybe end on is the fact that rounds one and two we we were lenient on the the paint rule because it was yeah. sort of sprung real quick. Yeah, like yeah. it was. We talked about the the slow grow, and within like two weeks, it was like, "Hey guys, slow grow." Yeah, have three hundred points painted, and yeah. we're like, "Ooh, maybe not." <laughs> And that's the thing Maybe with, not. With, the, with the slow growth, like the, the initial push is the hardest. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you're doing a 300 point block. And then after that, it's like only 100 points. 100 extra, points a pop. Which you for can a, manage. For a month. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. can manage in it. Well, that's, I can barely manage in a month. Um, that's nine ninjas every month. <laughs> yeah. Gee, that's it. When you put it like that, you need Pretty some good. Eye of the Tiger. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's good. Um, I don't know if there's anything else to talk about with Miami, though. I think that, I think that pretty much covers it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at least for now. And uh, good news, we have more episodes on the slow grow. So hey. if we've missed something, we'll chuck it in there. Yeah, I think I might go into a little bit more detail as I add in yes, each of the exactly, different troops exactly. um, down the line. I think the the Swan Knights are pretty kind of standard. Like there's so much armor. Yeah. That there's not much to talk. I will say this. I have never enjoyed painting shields as much. Yeah, as I have for these the shields guys. look real good. Um, just in terms... Like, so there's two parts to this. One is the iconography is great because it's kind of different on each model, so it gives it a bit of character. But the other thing is that uh, Medbury um, models in the individual wood planks mm. for the shield, so it's doing a lot of the work for you. 
already, yep. like just in terms of where to place your highlights and actually get that nice kind of, it's painted blue, but you can see the timber grain kind of vibe. Well, I was going to say, it's not just he's modeled the, the, the plates, the planks rather. Yeah. He's also modeled the wood grain, right? Yeah. 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 So again, it kind of, it gives you that texture, that depth, um, uh, in the model. And so, um, those kind of things are interesting how, like, if you've got a, a model, it's kind of the same thing with your ninjas with the black being the, the negative space. For me, the silver armor is almost yes. the negative space. And so then the shield is the thing that actually draws your eye. Yeah. Um, and similarly, like the, uh, the knights on horse, I've got to say, I've never, like, I really struggled painting that amount of cloth. <laughs> there, uh, like I think you mainly you're talking about the horse. Yeah, like the, the horse, horse has the, the horse clothes. It's got a name. I can't remember what it is. Um, uh, but yeah, the the horse's robes, its bathrobe. Um, there's a lot of blue cloth, mm, mm. and it's hard to balance that up. Uh, and the technique I used for that, I I ended up actually using um, an airbrush to kind of establish the very low and the mid tones, and then do the yep. highlights by hand. I think it's okay, but uh, like, I'm not. Uh, that's the part of the paint scheme that I'm the the least happy with. Right. That makes um, sense. I I don't want to assume, but I think they look cool. I think the trick might be the fact that it's a lot of negative space. On the color that in your army isn't designated as the negative space. Yeah. So maybe yeah. if we can chuck patterns on there, or, which I'm is thinking, the classic. I'm or, thinking that is that is probably what needs to ha- happen. Because it looks good. Yeah. It's a it's well it's well painted. It and feels it looks like good. it feels, but it does feel like it's not finished. Like whether yeah. it's yeah. even just you know because I've seen some amazing um, armies online where they've done like checker pattern. Yeah. I'm not up for that. Like, that's too much. It's too much. But maybe it's about, um, you know, adding in some filigree or maybe yeah, freehand some, some swans or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do that to kind of break it up. And that way it'll... it'll Because it is a big canvas as yes, well. Yes, exactly. So you actually can do some freehand. So maybe I just need to take the plunge. Mm, mm. Do some freehand. Do it. Filigree is tough. Filigree is really tough. I, I find it really hard. Like, I'm getting better at it, but whenever you're d- painting lines, yeah. I, I find it really hard because when you're... In order for the, the line to have depth, you have to paint a dark color and then yes. highlight it up. Yes. And that dark color has to look stupidly big in the sense that the highlight will be smaller mm. and, and you just got to trust the process, Albert. Yeah. And know your, <laughs> know your limits. Like if you start with a thin line, you can't then reduce down to an impossibly thin line. It doesn't work that way. Um, but then, yeah, yeah, it's all, it's all a learning process, right? Yeah. Well, I think we've, we've talked at length about these 300 point armies. <laughs> no, but, um, this gets it out of the way, right? The, yeah. This yeah. episode might be the longest of all the slow growth, which is I think ironic. So. I think so. Uh, <laughs> being the smallest games. But look, yeah, we needed to like get you in the zone. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, because the armies are cool and, and it'll be cool to see them grow. And um, I'm I'm keen to also have that up on the Instagram in terms of how the, the armies evolve and adapt yeah. and, and what they yeah. actually look like. I mean, you can form. talk in depth about the story. Yeah. Uh, and I can mention how many ninjas I get every week. <laughs> Your weekly dose of ninjas. <laughs> um, no, but 
with that, let's uh, jump to the games. Sounds good. So it begins. Okay, so welcome back. Round one. Round one. Um, with the ninjas. With, with the ninjas and the fiefdoms. Um, Geordie, how did you go recording your interview? Maybe didn't do that. Whereas how did you go? <laughs> equally not very well. Yeah. But the good news is my uh, memory is not like a sieve. It's like uh, an elephant when I don't record things. Yes, that's true. Because it forces me to remember what actually happened. You know what? I can actually vividly remember my round one. I as well. can. <laughs> I legitimately can too. Um, so let's start with your round one then. How did how did you go? Who were you playing? I was playing against Matt Whale, who uh-huh. uh, you would have heard took out the very first re- tournament recording. I believe so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so he was doing in his logo. He was Dunlending. Oh, cool! Which was sick. Yeah, that's a great list. I love it. And you know what? Actually, kind of strong at three hundred. Yeah. He had Thryden on horse. Yep. And Gorolf. Yeah. And the Oath Maker. Oh. And he still had like 15 dudes or something. Wow. Yeah, it was huge. That's impressive. So decent numbers and strong heroes. Yeah. I, I suppose. Yeah. And, and was he taking a bunch of Wildmen? Because that's a good yes. way to boost your numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was like yeah. six or seven Wildmen. Yeah, and yeah, a yeah. couple Hus, like two, two or three Huskarls, and then like four or five Shield Lads. Cool. I like that list. Yeah, I think it was a strong That sounds really good. Um, but how do they fare against your ninjas? Well, um,. It was an interesting, we rolled up, or rather, I think we had the choice of and, and veto system. Yeah, yeah. I think I landed on the one where you dig up the artifact in the middle. Yeah. Whatever that one's called. Yep. <laughs> or is it hold ground where you race to the middle to try and hold it? No, no, no dig it up. Oh, yeah. Um, Seize the prize. It is Seize the prize. Yeah, Great. Yeah, I was thinking yeah, it was. I should yeah. have just said it. Anyway, we rolled up Seize the prize. Yep. Now, I've got a drum. Well, that, Happy times. That's good. I got to the I got to the center like two turns before Matt. Yeah. So I had two cracks at digging, right? Yeah. Failed both times. No. Yeah. yeah. Um, and on that second attempt, you know, Thryden was in charge range, so threatening to, to yeah. kill whoever was there. So yeah. I bailed everyone but like one model who would stay digging. And, <laughs> and obviously, the turn after Thryden came in and the lads joined in, but. Yeah. You know, that was okay. And uh, Matt had one crack of digging. And can you guess what happened? He dug it up straight he dug away. It up straight away. Of course. <laughs> I loosened the dirt, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's always the way it goes. Um, but that was that was fine. It's like, you've got to change your tactics to, to this thing. If I, got it, if I dug it turn one, yeah. I'd drum away. And it yeah. Would, it would be kind of a shit game. <laughs> yeah, totally. Because it's like you hold all the aces and there's no way for him to ever catch you. Yeah. And it's I'm game faster. Yeah. The only guy who can catch me is Thryden. Yeah. And Thryden yeah. can't take on like 12 ninjas or whatever I no. have. 13, 14. No. So that was okay. So Thryden got in, um, and the lights wrapped around, and this this is fine. I'm I I'm kind of happy with that because Rutabi kind of outfights Thryden. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I may have lied to you earlier. I'm pretty sure he didn't have Gorolf. That's just that just doesn't quite work. <laughs> we should never have preface this by saying how good our memory yeah. was before we actually described the game. But continue. We've continue. done ourselves a hole here. Yeah, yeah, anyway. yeah. yeah, yeah. No but it was, fine. you know, it's still like plenty of mice. Like he had the hitter and he had the Oath, the oath, oath Maker. Thryden, and he yeah. did have a banner, so yeah. Um, yeah. Dunlanding six-inch banner was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I, of course, had a baby three-inch banner. Anyway, so Rutabi was happy getting stuck into Thryden. And in fact, 
Uh, I know for a fact Thryden whiffed his first two charges. Ooh. Yeah, I beat him in combat both times. Wow. Uh, I didn't get his horse in the first one. I believe I got his horse the second time. Yeah, right. And so a Thryden on foot is a very different story than a Big Thryden time. on a horse. So once he was off his, off his horse, Rutabi was happy to run in. I think he survived a few turns against her. Um, striking and master of battling and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, Rutabi, master of battle, the lower the points go, and we've talked about this before, the stronger, like, recurring sources of resources become. Yeah. So, master of battle at 300 points was nuts. Because yeah. first of all, he can't get away from my six inches. No. Nah. And second of all, just, I got like two or three extra mines. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it is slightly dependent on priority, but, yeah. um, but even so... Chances are you're going to be spending a lot more might than your opponent yep. in that sense. And with her being fight six, this is my issue with Azog's Master of Battle, is that it, it becomes more like Anders Blade Lord thing, yeah. where like they're forced to strike against you. Yep. So it's like, it's not, it doesn't feel Master of battle to do that, but I'm going to do it. So anyway. Sure. So we, I think we eventually got Thryden on the kill, but Matt all the while was running his... Uh, Artifact bearer towards my board edge. So I had to crack through like 10, 11 models. Yeah. The ninja rule came into play a couple of times, which is really cool. We were playing on a board with some fences, like fences with vegetable patches and stuff. Yeah. yeah it was yeah. a real like Rohan type outlying village thing. And so he had gummed up this central bit. Next to it was a fence and a veggie pack. So I had some ninjas get their four up jump. <laughs> Less awesome. offense. I was able to even like fight a guy over a barrier because they get that. Or hey. like ignoring the ways or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the fact that I was able to like jump that fence and keep moving. Yeah. Meant that like the turn after I was able to, I got lucky with priority towards the end. I was able to catch his models. Like if he won, I think any of the two priorities towards the end of the game, his artifact bearing dude would have got away. Mm. But because I like won them both in a row. I was able to catch him and, and get in front of him. And it was all because of that ninja jump over the fence and move a full like five inches or whatever it was left. Yeah, right. So that was cool. Wow, that the is fact cool. that my rules came into play. Um, and then it was it was still close. I was winning in combat because I've got the 5-4. Yeah, and it's once, a big in, in those small points. Once Ryden was sort of out for the count, yeah. even if he was still fighting on foot or whatever, like it didn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, so I had the we both had banners, but I had fight for three attacks essentially. So I was winning the combats, getting the kills because Dunlin thing's only defense five. So yep. my weakness, I think, for this list would be defense six. Yeah. So I was pretty lucky there. Yeah. And then uh, it 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 sucked because it was a very close game. But I think this is the game that ends when both sides are quartered. Oh. Yeah. Which. I don't like. No. <laughs> so I tabled Matt. Yeah. In the end. It's never a good Because feeling, of the end condition. Yeah, like yeah, if it was yeah. just when one side's quartered. Yeah, it would have wrapped I it up. I think he either ended with the objective or... Yeah, I think he it ends with the objective in his hands in my battle, like my table half, which I think is like five points or something. Yeah. So I think it would have been like a draw or something. Yeah. But it doesn't make a lot of sense for that win condition for both sides, for to, be both quartered, sides to be quartered. Because it, it rarely happens. Very rarely is it neck and neck. Like usually one one side gets out yep. to uh, you know get a bit of momentum, and it's very hard for the uh, the you know the opponent to to claw it back. Well, and worse than that, 
scenarios like this, you play to to the objective. So yeah. I, in in games like this where I've got like the objective or whatever, I'll happily send you know five dudes to make a little wall, knowing they're going to die. Yeah. But they've bought me a whole turn. You know, yeah. I'm spending my models to gain like a tempo against my opponent mm. while my objective's running away or whatever. Mm. I'll sacrifice them, mm. knowing that I'll get something good out of it. But here, yeah, unfortunately, didn't. So we Matt was basically like, "Look, you've you've tabled me." The game's not over technically. You can run the objective off the board because there's nothing to stop me. Mm. And I was like, oh, it feels bad, but I mean, yeah. I think that's technically right. Yeah, right. So, so um, he just watched you as you... <laughs> well, well, I made funny noises. <laughs> Rolled priority. Oh, I lost priority <laughs> oh, no. again. Are you oh. going to call anything? No models. Oh, bugger. So it's 12 in the end. I think it ended up being 12-0. Yeah, I don't right. think Rutabi got scratched. Wow. And I, I wasn't broken. Yeah. Wow. Um, shitty end, but it was a cool game. It is it is it is a shame sometimes, isn't it, how the the final score can sometimes really not reflect yeah. the closeness of the match overall. Yeah. Cause he I, I'm genuinely sure it was a draw if he because I think Thryden was alive at this point. It was a draw if he if the game ends on his quarter. Yeah. And then the turn after both Thryden died and I stole the objective back. And then it was just, you know, it was light, you know. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's a shame. So, you know, G-dubs, if you're listening, maybe change that text. Yeah, well, they had the opportunity with the match play guide, didn't they? Oh, and that's they, true. They I mean, maybe they didn't know. Yeah, maybe. Give them, give <laughs> I'm them just the, trying to give them the benefit. Benefit yeah. of the doubt, yeah. But anyway, how your game go? On to my game. Um, a similar result. Um, I was playing Clinton. Um, so he, a friend of the the podcast, he's been on the podcast before. I think, uh, we played together in the, um, that was Wizard's Curse. Wizard's Curse. Yeah. Yeah, Wizard's Curse. Well, you, uh, Matt won the the championship, the championship tournament. Yep. So, um, good to, good to get, uh, to play Clinton again. He was bringing his Lothlorien again, because he's still, um, uh, quite new to the game, learning ropes. Um, and so slow grows great, uh, opportunity to, to do that. Um, he was bringing, um, essentially Kelleborn, it was a single war band. So it was Kelleborn, yeah. um, uh, a handful of, um, foot soldiers. So Galathrim, uh, armored warriors with spear and shield and, and blade. And then he had a couple, maybe three, um, cavalry. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, I outnumbered him with my fiefdoms. This yeah, just, um, yeah. Um, so, and, but I, you know, my my list um, matched up pretty well to his. I would say because yeah. at, again, at that three hundred points level, Imrahil's buff of giving plus one fight um, is pretty much my entire army. Yes. Um, so then I'm equal fight with elves, uh, and yes, they have obviously the the elven made weapon which um, helps him in the in the roll off, but he didn't have a banner, crucially. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So and obviously I had Imrahil. So Is he a banner? Oh, I didn't notice. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> battlefield wide, in fact, at, at three hundred points. Um the game that we were playing was um hold ground. So yeah. run to the middle, um and try and hold the middle. Yep. Um Maelstrom deployment doesn't really matter yeah, when you're one yeah. <laughs> one warband. There's no ambushing. No, uh, and we ended up on opposite ends of the yeah. table. Yeah. It was very kind of vanilla. Um, 
So uh, I went to the middle, uh, I kind of raced to the middle first and got there and then there was a little bit of a, a standoff between him wanting to use his archers and I of mm. course having no archers. So me kind of dancing, trying to stay in the middle whilst staying out of bowfire, trying to keep my knights and right. Imrahil um, protected from bowfire. Yeah, because will all take off an armoured horse. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I think he, he took out one of my knights um, on foot. Um, so um, he was kind of... Um, you know, when he got that first blood, he's like, cool, well, I'm just going to do this for the rest of the game. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he was slowly bringing up his infantry. Um, and so I kind of got it to the point where um, I forced the engagement with his infantry. But I did it in such a way that he basically had to kill all of my uh, knights on foot and pikemen in order to get into the scoring yes, zone. Yeah. Right. So he set up just outside of it. Yeah, um, him off of it. Yeah. That's it. So um, he came at me, but... Importantly, in the first turn of combat, um, he uh, lost, uh, no, he had priority, so he moved up and I got the charge, um, which meant that I could pick and choose like where I was going in. I, of course, avoided um, Celeborn um, and um, called a heroic combat with Imrahil. And I think in that turn, Imrahil took out four elves. Yeah, that's right? massive. And so... For this points level. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of... It's very hard to come back from that. Um, and his cav were kind of out of pos- position. So um, I got my, uh, my mounted knights charging in with the lance um, and took out, um, I think, one of his cav in the first turn and he'd sent... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, another one around on a flanking um, mission, but he was kind of out of the game for, for most of um, the, the actual turns of combat. And it was just that, you know, that swing of momentum um, with um, Imrahil getting that heroic combat off, yeah. essentially, that won it for me. Yeah, and you have a few legs up on his list anyway, because Celeborn's killing power is good, but it's not Imrahil's killing power while he's on that. Yeah. Level, yeah, so, and, and he was rolling very poorly with Imrahil. Like, I was kind of putting, you know, one or two dudes into him with some pike supports, and, uh, like, he lost two rounds of combat. So yeah. he couldn't even do anything with that. Right? Now, is, um, is Imrahil's banner an active? It's not, is it? It's a passive, isn't it? I think it's passive. Yeah. So Celeborn can't even switch off your banner with an immobilise. No, and he had saved all of his will to um, do his, uh, what's the other spell he's got? Blade. Oh, Blade blade Wrath. Blade Wrath. Or no, that's the Eastling one. Enchanted Blade. Enchanted Blades, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think that was one of the turns. So he, he cast it, got it off, but then he lost the combat to my chaff. So he didn't even get to use it. So I felt really Ooh. bad. Um, anyway, the, the, you know... I, I continued to um, wipe off his elves basically because I, you know, outnumbered him. Traps win games, mm. and I had the cav that was kind of running amok amongst his um, infantry. So it kind of all snowballed from that um, yeah. that first um, round of engagement, and I ended up going away with the twelve zero victory. Mm. So, so you ended up getting Celeborn and the break. Yes, I believe so. Yeah, so. Um, Oh, maybe not. 
Maybe it wasn't 12-0, because Celeborn was definitely still alive. Yeah, okay. Yep. So you would have lost like two, yeah. maybe three points for leader there. I think it's... I think I got a wound on him. Okay. So I got yep. one point, yep. so maybe it was 10 Probably 10 yeah. um, But yeah, I mean, uh, it's kind of a hard... It's it's That's the thing with 300 points, right? It can be quite swingy. Yeah. Um, especially when you've got a big hero that can do lots of munching, yeah. um, like Imre Hill. Like, unless you have something to shut him down with or a hard counter, they can just run away with it really yep. easily. And unfortunately, Caliborn's like just as much points, but his killing power is like half, you know? Yeah. Like, he's he's defensively much better. Yeah. Um, what is it called? Lord of the West and Terra. Yeah. Um, his spells just don't make up for that extra no. points cost. No, they really don't. They really no, it's don't. Like, not in this points level, I guess. Uh, yeah, I think just in general. Yeah. I, I I love Celeborn, but equally, he makes it very hard to love him. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? I, I played him recently. I thought he was fight seven. Because he's an elven lord, right? Yeah. He's fucking fight six. Yeah, I know. And you'll compete him. I So... Just on that note, this is going to be a tangent. Yeah, yeah. Let's go. <laughs> it has it has been discussed in numerous places before, but I do really feel like the game designers have not used the full 10 points of fight value efficiently. And what I mean by that is that like they oh, were, yes. like yeah. you know the spread, right? Yeah. They they haven't used that spread. Like the issue of Azog being fight seven isn't that Azog is fight seven. Mm. It's that Glorfindel isn't fight, fight eight, eight. Yep. Right. Yeah, or 100%. fight nine or fight 10. Yeah. How many fight 10 models are there? It's just the Balrog. Right. Yep. So why is that the case? Like yep. there should be more fight nine, eight, like yeah. spread it so that those Elven Lords are actually better than anything else. Like a human shouldn't really go past fight six. Yeah. I reckon. Yeah, yeah, unless they could the most get, martial get like a, people possible. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like you can you can make an argument for like Boromir, Aragorn, and I'm going to argue like Amdur and yeah, well, Dragon Emperor, but he's already good, so don't yeah, worry yeah. about him. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I was listening to a, a, some chatter online. I can't like a podcast or YouTube or something where they were talking about you know wishes for the game and one of them was saying oh wouldn't it be great if they added half increments into the fight value of like 2.5 okay three and i i feel like that's a bit of a messy yeah no like i don't think that's we deal in round numbers yeah and i think they should just spread it yes they should just spread it fight fight eight is near empty it's just got like Gwydia, treebeard and bayon bayon yeah and the not even, no no not grim bayon oh, grim, seven yeah he's ah. seven yeah yeah and then seven is also kind of empty. It's yep. just got like your trolls and your monsters. Yep. And well, as you said, Azog and yep. the Elven Lords. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not even all the Elven Lords no, actually on that note. That's right. That's right. So I don't know. I just think that they they, they should spread they the should, field. They should populate fight nine and fight eight a lot more with the Elven Lords and yeah. people of that ilk. And then fight six is becomes like the... Whew, I'm trying to think who else would sit in there. Like, Rutabi would stay there. Like, yeah. the, the better than normal fighters. And then Fight 5 can be your, like, middling to good heroes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't have... Uh, like, I don't have an issue with any of the lower fight values at this point. It's yeah. just the fact that there isn't that top end. Yeah. Which I think um, could could be a very easy fix to some, um, some things. Um, so, tangent aside... Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
Uh, let's get let's get back on track. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's anything else that we need to talk about for round one. But let's let's get into round two where we we actually recorded some with actual things. recordings. Yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Hey team. Editor Albert here, just with a quick warning on the upcoming audio. Now, sometimes we record pretty suboptimal audio, but I think this one definitely takes the cake. Not sure what happened. I think maybe Jared's mic uh, came unplugged just as we went to hit record. And as a result, you can hear more of the store background noise than uh, what Jared's actually saying. So if you are offended by very poor quality audio, I would suggest maybe just skipping ahead 10 minutes um, and picking it back up when Geordie and I give the kind of the post-match recap there. But if you are brave and want to continue on, you have been warned. Uh, Let's get back to the show. Hey team, Albert here after game two of the slow grow. Uh, The slow grow, we're up to 400 points now. Correct. Um, And I'm joined by my opponent, Jared. Howdy all. Uh, friend of the podcast, been on the podcast a couple of times now, I think. Long time listener, first time talker. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we like it. That's how we like it. Um, okay, so uh, talk a little bit about the army that you brought today. So taking Hangmar, a um, bit themey. Uh, the idea was to try and find something that was a little bit different in terms of models. Yeah. Just a, a bit sick of the plain old sculpts that you see. Yeah. around for the last 20 years. Yeah. Um, Off air, we've talked at length about the poor mortal orc plastic kit, which is um, yeah, it's looking pretty tired, that's for sure. So I just wanted to do something that I could convert heavily. Yeah. Didn't look... Uh, and when I say convert heavily, like with some ease. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. not sculpting green stuff for hours. Yeah. Easy conversion and, and a bit theming. Um, I've always liked Arnold and the three factions. Yep. But then when I heard about the Hillmen splitting off and joining the Witch King, I thought it'd be really cool to see men and orcs fight side by side on the board. So that's what I've done. It looks really good. And it, it ties together really well as well. Like on the table, they look legit like as a unified kind of army yeah they're grungy yeah still a pop of colour which is what I like but they don't yeah they don't look terribly out of place yeah which yeah. in my head I thought this is going to look terrible what what mini, minis did you use for Frostgrave yeah they're, they're beautiful um, models like in terms of the scale they fit right in um, yeah. and the paint scheme that you've gone with them I think is actually really cool so maybe talk um, a little bit about the paint scheme that you've gone with overall for the army yep so with the Angmar I've gone what you'd probably say is the traditional Angmar green the spooky green the spooky green yeah but I've, it's just really vibrant yeah so not not so much dull but not not too fluoro. No, I think it's it's well balanced, and so you've kind of got that. The nice thing, um, the the approach that you've taken, um, so that green is kind of on all the cloth of the orcs, um, and then on the the hillman, you've just got like little tiny pops of the color. So like the fletching of the arrows is that green, but everything else is real dark. Yeah. So I've, I didn't want them. I thought about having them all green. Yeah. And I thought that'd just be a little bit too much. Like that's not really how they've joined the yeah. Witch King. They're kind of their own force that have tagged along yeah. rather than being a part of Angmar. So I've made them, their colors more like a 
maroon, yeah. like a really dark maroon, yeah, 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 yeah. which will then contrast well yeah. with the green. Yeah. Oh. And, and it does. It works really well. Yeah. And like I say, like they all still look unified because they've got those little tiny kind of pops of, of the green to kind of tie them in. And then you've got the, the spectres as well, which are little 3D prints. Um, yeah, so similar colour scheme actually on them with the, yeah, yeah. the dark maroons. Yeah. Just to sort of contrast off with the... Angmar Green, and because they're orcs and they're grungy, I didn't want them to be one whole slab of unified green because I don't think that's what they run up as. No, 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 no. Uh, uh, look, it looks really good. Like, like I say, like it's, there's enough variation, but at the same time, it looks really cohesive. So um, it's really cool. In terms of um, like further on in the league, what are you hoping to kind of paint up and add in in the, the next few rounds? I'm hoping to get some bodyguards for the Witch King. So a couple. Okay. A couple of cave trolls. Ooh, yeah, nice. Which I think will be fun. Yeah, that's great. A couple more wags just to give that flexibility and yeah. I think they look cool. Yeah, uh, yeah. Using the fell wags instead of the standard wags. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you've, you've thrown in a couple of uh, Moranin orcs in there as well, just as kind of base orcs. Yeah, that's right? a good point. So, again, it's a horde army, yeah. so much like yourself, hate the same <laughs> pose. Repeat poses, no thank you. No thank you. So especially when it's like a horde rabble arm, right? Yeah. Like that's when the repeat poses really hurt yeah. in my mind. Like, I mean, I could be having three of the same spear guy yeah. lining up next to each other. Nobody's got time for that. <laughs> that's not gonna fly. So um, I thought I had, a, I had a look around and wasn't loving a whole lot of the available orcs that you can get out there that would fit within yeah. the scheme. Don't have guns and yeah, yeah, and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. So uh, I thought, what can I add in there? And I just happen to have Moran orcs at home from the Palinor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Moran portal. I just got that for the, the horses. Makes sense. Uh, so I chucked them in there and I thought they might look a bit too stocky. They work. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, no, I should have given game it's, it's one of those things where you. Um, like, who cares if they're around at all? Yeah. Like, they, they fit right in. Everyone knows exactly what they are. Like, in, in that instance, it's like a no-brainer proxy for me. Yeah. Actually, I played against Mordor last week, and the list had two Moranadors, and I kind of just got lost as to where the Moranadors were anyway. <laughs> <laughs> they just, they blended in, so... <laughs> Yeah, this is true. This is true. Um, so let's get on to the game. So uh, first of all, what did you think um, going into it, facing up against the Thieves? I didn't, to be to be fair, no research. Wasn't actually <laughs> sure. I just knew Imri Hill's a beast. Yeah. Um, try not to leave yeah. too many things, really. Yeah. yeah. Which, um, well, you did a good job of uh, yeah, not so letting him get too carried away. Um, and then sort of after the first combat, I realised what was happening. <laughs> the uh, the fiefdom synergy, yeah, uh, that one dropped. Yeah, yeah which is kind. Of, so I was um, I was running the um, Imrahil and Angbor and that uh, fearless bubble that Angbor gives um, within six inches was pretty clutch. I think throughout the game, it made it kind of takes away a lot of what I was trying to do. Yeah, it, t- it takes away a lot of the tricks that you can do. Yes. 
Um, but you did get a few tricks off. So, because Angbor can't be everywhere. Um, and um, so there were a couple of um, pieces that you got to move around, around the edges, I guess. But every little bit kind of helps. I think it's, I mean, it's annoying enough as a player to have your model moved out of the way. Whether it's an effective move, it's still annoying. So even just, even if I can move a few things to just frustrate you a little bit, I'm happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the joy of being the Angbar player, right? Just messing with your opponent. So the scenario we were playing was Fog of War. Yes. We vetoed our, what were the other ones? There was Lords of Battle. And to the death. To the death. I kind of really wanted to do Lords of Battle. Because there were, you had, that, that's the kill count one. Yes. Uh, but very rightly, you vetoed that one as soon as you yeah, saw it. We were, I was 28 models, you were 16. Yeah. yeah. So, bit of a discrepancy there. And um, so, yeah, we, we played from the board um, on a little wooded board. Um, deployment was pretty straightforward. Um, you kind of deployed in one block, I deployed in another block. And there was kind of a bit of open ground in the, in the center of the board, but then some choke points, which our battle lines kind of moved towards. Yeah, it was, it was kind of a nice cliff surrounded by two sort of wooded sections, which made two possible choke points for us to choose from. And there was a bit of to and fro before we got to the fight. Yeah. We wanted to get in there, yeah. just sitting outside of six. Yeah. Um, yeah, you were very much like... Uh, you were waiting for me to come to you. Yeah. Um, so what was what were you thinking in those kind of opening moves? Were you trying to bait me forward to, to come at you or just wait to see? I was trying to wait to see because I kind of wanted the choke point to try and choke out your knights first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and my wags were coming around the back. Yeah. So I, I, where we ended up fighting was almost where I wanted it. Yeah. Because I didn't want to be too much out in the open so you get a big sweeping charge. Yeah, on the flank side. Yeah. And then, yeah, you really flank me down. Yeah. Which then opens up the barrel. Yeah. As soon as I can get in behind. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of wanted to sit him in and I also want to be tight enough so that um, I can if Angbor's out somewhere. I do get that. You get that terror bubble. Yeah. Terror bubble. So just that was my thought. It uh, didn't work as well as I wanted. <laughs> well, I think you like you were pretty unlucky. We were just talking off um, mic before about the fact that um, you had the three. Uh, wargs that went around the, the back door and all they charged and they well my knight charged into one of them and then you um, counter charged and surrounded that knight and he managed to win that first combat and I think he killed two out of the three yeah and um, and that was like that shouldn't have happened basically and if if that knight had have gone down then those dogs can go grab the objective, they can swing into the back of my line, and I think it becomes a very different game. Yeah, as we said, my, once I get into the back there, then I'm plucking off some of your spear supports yeah. and making yeah. the fights 2v1s in my favour instead of 2v2s, which they were for 
most of the, most of the game, yeah. And with my uh, huge banner re-roll, like I've got banners everywhere basically, right? So um, like I'm never out of banner range, so it's effectively, you know, either 3v3 with each of our banner re-rolls or 3v2. Where you don't have the banner. Too far out. Yeah, that 12 inch banner, I, there would have maybe one fight where you didn't get the reroll. Yeah. Yeah. For, most, for the whole game. Yeah, which was that lone knight off, yeah. off in the distance. He won it anyway. Didn't and, he, he? and he did the work. So, um, and it was one of those things, like you got a couple of early kills, but I had the momentum um, through the kind of the first bit of combats. Um, you were incredibly unlucky with your magic rolls. Uh, first six, seven points of will yeah. on magic didn't yeah, did nothing. Did, did nothing. Yeah. You were rolling ones and twos across the board. Paralyzers didn't go. Did roll? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, very unlucky. Very unlucky. And the paralyze as well didn't go off. I don't think it went off once, did it? No. Which again, just um, yeah, crazy. So my plan was to sap Will from Imre Hill yep. early. Yeah, I started with fourteen Will. Thought I could get it You're off. You're just sapping your own Will in the end. In the end, um, so I spent six on it. Uh, yeah. Thought I'd be able to get it off. D three, Will gone, and then throw paralyze on you. Yeah, and that was when he was not. You, you weren't in the combat line, yeah. so you weren't blocking a hole. Yeah. You would have been out the back. Yeah. Then hopefully I would have been able to take some of the fights and then come up to you and yeah, yeah, yeah. take yeah. you out. But it just didn't work out. But didn't really matter because Imrahil didn't he did do nothing. much anyway. He did nothing. I think he killed a single orc all game. Angbor did more work than he did. I think Angbor took down two orcs. Um, but it was just the the shield wall line that did all of the heavy lifting. Um, in the end, like... My, my troops were just able to win combats and then put on wounds. Um, yep. And that's where most of the killing happened. I mean, the knights were pretty clutch, I think, in terms of how they, um, you know, the, the wounds that they got on things. Um, but, um, and, and the, the game, you know, you, you broke and it's random game length um, and just as we were about to, like, it was the last turn, I had a guy on the objective um, and you managed to spook him with one of your spectres off the uh, objective. Save me three points. Save three points. Save three points. Um, but uh, you didn't kill Angle. I didn't kill the Barrow White, so it ended up being a 6-3 win to me because you were broken. Yeah. Um, Which, but, as we said, one more turn, <coughs> random game length, it goes on. I think you ended up outnumbering me. And yeah, yeah. You'd probably get through and get the barrel out there. Possibly. He was very well positioned though. Like you had him wrapped up in a good blanket of orcs. Um, I thought it was a bit great. Like in that last round of combat as well, I had um, the Witch King had charged into or my knight had charged into the Witch King. And it was a Witch King and an orc on this one lone knight and somehow I managed to win the combat. Didn't do any damage, but again, like 
you roll ridiculously low for, for that. Like, four dice against my one, you should have won. Yeah, and I think you were at a five five. Yeah, yeah, so doable. Yeah, doable. That's dice games. It is, man. It is. It's brutal when, when you get those runs of, you know, ones and twos. Especially when, I think... When you're wanting things like magic to go off, yeah, and you're putting resources into those things, but they're not going off. That's that's sort of frustrating. When you go into a when you go into a combat and it's sort of a dice roll on your opponent, it's it's okay. Springs it right about. Yeah, yeah, But when you're just not getting the magic off. Which what is do you the do? basis of your... Yeah, which, yeah, <laughs> the bones of the list. Look, I think you play for... Because this is only the second time that you played with Angmar. Yeah, and I would say the first time I probably didn't even play them because, as we've discussed, um, Suladan bowed the Witch King with two was shots. There in, in the way as well? There was three in the ways. Uh, and I... Fluffed two fates. Oh man. So one wound out of hands. That was over two thirds. Wow. Uh, and then once the Witch King's gone, 18 orcs. There's not much you can do with that. Not much I'm doing. Yeah, terrible. But uh, I would say for someone who's only played Angmar twice, you were moving all of the pieces in the right way in terms of like where you were positioning the Witch King, where you were positioning the Barrowite uh, to like maximise your um, terror bubble even though you know I had the fearless bubble to kind of counteract it and you were playing with the spectres as well as you could given that I had that um, I took a, took a lot away from that tournament game that we had that we had yeah, where yeah, yeah. you played Angmar and yeah. I had the Uruks yeah and just got me okay. <laughs> so, sorry uh, <laughs> Yeah, there was definitely no fearless bubble there for you. No, no, no fearless bubble. Everything was getting moved in all sorts of directions. Yeah. I think yeah, at one point you pulled my banner <laughs> into you and then combated off. Um, it was the Kree It was the Creebane. Yes. Yeah. It, it was, yeah. You moved my Creebane over my line. That, that moment that the 12 inches betrays you. Yeah. Hey, um, so... Um, Let's talk about the uh, Slow Growers as a whole because you're actually the one that's organised this. You're the circus leader, so to speak. So, to speak. so um, what, was the, what was the thinking behind um, wanting to get the um, Slow Grow happening? The purpose was just to get more games happening locally and just to see a, a, a difference in games. Um, See if, and hopefully to try and get a few new faces involved. Which I think it's done, right? Like, there's a few. I think we had six, six new people out of the. We originally started with 14. Yeah. He's done 12. Yeah, okay. Also, half. Yeah. Half a new. Um, and. To be frank, the real purpose was uh, I wanted to start Angmar, but I didn't want the, uh, the burden of painting up 600 points in a period, in a one go. So I thought, how can I make that happen? Yeah. Create a slow grow. Yeah, yeah, So it's one out of a selfish, uh, <laughs> selfless pursuit. It's the best kind, though. It's the best kind. Uh, but I think, in terms of 
getting people, new people into the game. It's worked. More people are coming back into store yeah. to play some games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's a it's a low buy-in, one game a month. That's it. 100-point increments, yeah. which is pretty standard. It's very doable. Um, yeah, just doable. And just a bit more structure. Yeah, I think the structure's good, especially when you've got new, new players that might be a little bit more apprehensive about kind of coming in for a game or meeting people. Like, it's a good way to meet people to then be able to be like... Because that's how we first met as well, right? We met in the first slow grow. Yeah, we had our first game together and then after that it was like, hey, man, let's, let's go and play some games. Yeah, that's it's, awesome. it's, it's probably... I can appreciate that it's somewhat intimidating coming into it. Yeah. I would say that the drum community is pretty well established. Yeah. A lot of the um, a lot of the folks have played against each other before. So yeah, yeah it would be hard coming into that and trying to tee up games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and a bit intimidating. So yeah, hopefully it's helped those guys and obviously gives us exposure to some new players and some yeah. new armies that yeah, yeah, yeah. played against yeah. before. Which is always nice. Yeah, variety is the spice of life. Yeah, try. Very good. Thanks very much for the game. Thanks, mate. Thanks for organising this logo. Thanks for being a top mate. Always happy to help. All right, g'day, guys. Jordy here at the Slow Grow Round Two with my opponent and friend of the podcast, Jim. Hey, it's been a long time, but really glad to be back on the podcast. Um, so, I mean, I guess first off, what army did you bring today? Well, I brought Eastlings, and I wasn't expecting you to have the same, but you did. <laughs> um, yeah, you would have heard in our uh, like pre-talk that I subbed, I swapped factions last minute, pulled, mm. a, pulled a fast one, so yep. it's, uh, it's paid off because I got you, <laughs> I got you a, a bit uh, flustered there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was all right. It was. It's a good list with the ninjas. I hadn't seen anything like that before. So well, that's cool. a, that's actually a good point to bring up. They haven't yeah. uh, they haven't seen the light of day in Australia. No, I that's say, right. Too much. Yeah. Um, but I guess how have you gone in the slow grow so far? And and I guess what's how do you feel about slow grow leagues in general and stuff? Oh, I reckon it's awesome. I I really love the concept. And I mean, I've chosen to use an army that um, I mostly have fully painted already but I really like the Ritabi and Brogia profiles and and I want to get some ninjas as well the Acolytes yeah um so this was just an opportunity for me seeing as I'm really busy in life I can't really build an army from scratch right up to a thousand points or wherever we're going so I just thought I'd I'd do something where I already have it but can add a few additions sick no that's a good point because the concept's obviously to paint a new army start to finish yeah throughout the the months of playing and yeah, yeah. You're, you're good to go but i mean you're you're right there's if if for other reasons you're too busy or whatever you can still use these t- to sort of fulfill your own goals yeah that's right yeah yeah um to answer your question about um <laughs> how i'm going in the slow grow that's been two big losses for me so oh, i know yeah so i went up against hobbits um the other week yeah, uh, yep. mass massive hobbits, and I took a different list. It was an infantry list. Okay, at three hundred points, um, and yeah, got absolutely smashed. Damn. Yeah, you yeah. would have thought Eastlings would be okay against hobbits, but I guess just sheer numbers at three hundred points would be. Yeah, I think he had like forty hobbits or something. Or Jesus Christ, I, it was something I, I can't quite remember. But yeah, it was a lot. Yeah, yeah whereas yeah. Eastlings are like maybe a little bit points inefficient, model to model. So mm. it's hard to stack up so low. Yeah. Anyway, he's a good player, Nathan. So. Um, did well and it was a similar thing today I think like um, you know maybe maybe my opponent's list had a slight advantage but still like I definitely had tools to to win but yeah made yeah. a couple of m- mistakes which we'll talk about yeah so I guess we'll we'll go through your list 
a bit a bit more in depth because we've just had Eastling so far. Yeah, true. What have you got going on? So I've got Kamul on Fell Beast and the Eastling Dragon Knight on Armored Horse. Yeah. And then uh, four Black Dragon Cataphracts and five Eastling Cataphracts, one with a drum. Um, the list needs a banner. It does not <laughs> have a banner because yeah. I haven't assembled the model or painted it. But um, yeah, that's basically the list. Yeah, and the banner's a tough one. The lower points level, they're kind of more powerful, but also they 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 cost a model or two. Yeah, they which, do. Yeah, which yeah. is also pretty big. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's um, I think in this circumstance, I'd probably actually take the banner over the drum. Yeah. Um, I think just with Kamul, um, you know, it needs a banner. Already. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's not a bad shout because yeah. all cav at this points level is going to be faster than everyone anyway. Yep. And like you're you're not going to face too many, too much bow fire on the way in. Well, and and they're really strong against bows, Eastling Cav. You yeah. know, with the kind of um, the gleaming, gleaming horde rule. Um, you know, I usually just tend not to worry too much about bows. I mean, sometimes, you know, one gets through and it's lucky and it hurts. Yep. But yep. you know, they're pretty resilient against it. Yeah, true. Um, I guess we'll get into the game. All right, and Jim, what were we playing this round? <laughs> Well, I vetoed off to the death, and yep. then you vetoed off Lords of Battle because that would have given uh, Kamul blood and glory, yeah, the special rule. Yeah, and obviously Dragon Knight double blood and glory, but yeah, yeah, it's Kamul <laughs> that I was more scared of. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, we played Fog of War. Yeah, yeah. Which was interesting at four hundred points. Yeah, because like we we only had two heroes each. Yeah. So there's a known target yeah. for each of us, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's. Where Fog of War is like a, a guessing game of who am I trying to get, who am I trying to keep alive. Yeah. This one, it played more like Assassination, where it's just like, I'm trying to get him, you're trying to get him. That's right. Which wasn't bad, it's just different. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it meant, obviously, that we had to be pretty protective, I guess, of our heroes. But, yeah. I mean, interestingly, you know, kind of early in the game, um, you were moving your force up and I was spreading out a lot. Yeah, yep. Um, and I saw an opportunity to to charge a captain with the Dragon Knight, yeah. and and took that. Yeah. Um, whereas I think the smarter choice would have been to assassinate with you know Kamul. Yes. Yeah. You know, just later in the game, maybe. The the hard part was I, I definitely laid that as bait. I was like, look, let's chuck him here because you're faster than me. I need you to commit to the charge at some stage. Yeah, yeah. And then I can jump in. Whereas yeah. if you just kept dodging, you just kept dodging, and yeah. eventually Kamal gets a perfect lineup, and it all goes wrong from there. Yeah. So I figured let's let him go in, um, and on that same turn, um, I had made sort of a bubble with everyone because you got the charge on me, mm. and I just had to move afterwards. I uh, very specifically stayed out of 12 of Kamul. Yeah, How did yeah. that go? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, after I charged in and then and then I tried to get a compel on Kamul, um, I used three dice against a dragon called Acolyte. Um, I rolled a three high, needing a five. Um, obviously, wasn't going to spend the two might. And then you and I spoke about how on a big roll like that, yeah. the smart move is using four. The- yeah. yeah, the turns where it's like so damn important that he charges. Yeah. Like if he doesn't charge, I lose the game. Yeah. Which I feel like that was kind of the situation yeah. we were in. Um, and it's and also because it's like it's 400 points. So it's, it's um, you know, you've got, you, usually in a bigger game, say it's 750 with Kamal, you're thinking, oh, I need to be more conservative or whatever. Yeah, true. But like it's, 
the game's going to be quicker and you, you need to be a bit more aggressive, I think, with him. Yeah. Um, so so you need to use his resources more wisely because there'll be less turns where you really need that. Wheel. That's that's a good point that I didn't even think of Like throughout our game was where a 800-point, let's say, goes for 10 to 15 turns. Yeah. A 400-point's gone for, like, three turns. That's right. In, like, realistically. Once yeah, we've yeah. hit each other, yeah. three or four turns and we're done. Yeah. So you could have burnt, like, four per turn and still been pretty safe. That's right. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting to think about. Yeah. That uh, the scaling of ring rates. Yeah. I mean, the game ended. Kamal was the last model on the board. I know yep. we're skipping ahead here. Yeah. And he still had five will, I think. Or yeah, something. and that so was even after you, like, very deliberately overspent on some spells that you yeah. didn't have to. Yeah. Like, realistically, you still had eight whilst it mattered and then you were just plunging because you may as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the sort of Dragon Knight breakdown, you had thought you'd base me out. Of Ritabi. Yeah, sorry. In. You yeah, thought you'd yeah. base Ritabi out. Mm. But um, you you would make... you Because you would charge a model and then you were checking against a Cav base that was yeah. in the second rank. Yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously I just did some manoeuvring, got Ritabi actually to be able to charge and heroic combat into the dragon knight yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like i thought the um the drummer that you had behind your captain was charged and then couldn't yeah. move yeah because I, I i yeah i thought ritavi was based out but of course you could just move that cav and i, I had you properly based out on the other side yeah. but not there it yeah. was just it was it was actually quite well done i don't know if you did that intentionally all that <laughs> but it was kind of cool because it kind of played some tricks on my mind yeah the well after you sort of said that I was based out, I was like, oh, I guess I am. But then, of course, I sort of looked twice. The drummer was, in theory, trapped by three of my own models. Yeah, yeah. But I still got to move my other That's models. That's right. So yeah, it yeah. sort of untrapped. With, yeah. Like, and then Rutabi got in and... Mm. Um, it was a big uh, I called a big heroic combat with Rutabi yeah that's right and then I was like okay I'm going to counter with the heroic combat but then we kind of thought about it and you were like oh you know you're not going to strike and I was yeah, like yeah no I should strike because you were versing <laughs> it was literally just the dragon knight versing my mounted captain yeah that's right um, yeah. and the captain wasn't trapped anymore yeah, yeah he wouldn't so have been yeah. trapped yeah 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 so yeah strike was definitely the right move um you won, you won your heroic combat, which, like, you had heaps of dice there. Yeah, it was just Rutabi yeah. and a friend versus a, a cataphract. Moved Rutabi in behind on the Dragon Knight. Dragon Knight rolls on the strike and rolls a one. Yeah. So ties with Rutabi. Which is, this is where Rutabi's fight six becomes brutal. Cause yeah. It's like, yeah. Um, normally the Dragon Knight's pretty set there. That's right. And so then, yeah, you, you chewed, chewed the Dragon Knight that turn... Um, um, it's where Rutabi's like re-roll it's actually when I saw the profile initially I thought that was a bit of a wish wish wash rule right nah it's fucking it's legit it's good yeah. it's it's easy enough to position traps half of it's on turns where you heroic combat yeah but even then just turns where you get the move off it is easy enough I've played like six or seven games now it's pretty legit yeah cool yeah well I mean I, I don't think you would have even needed it in that circumstance because it's a two wound defense six hero of no fate yeah true that's traps <laughs> but certainly like you know if you could have been up against something so much tougher yeah then you would have if Rutabi ever actually got a that's hold right. of Kamal it would have actually been pretty yeah, easy to sure. kill as yeah yeah I um I didn't I didn't get many priorities and so obviously being Cav you kind of need that and then it's that classic thing with Master of Battle, it's it's a really good rule even when it's not working yes. because it's preventing your opponent from yep. from using their yep. heroic moves when they need to because they're thinking, oh, well, 
if Geordie gets a three up here, he can master a battle this, and then we go to a roll off. Yeah. So I'm just like, oh, I might as well not use it. You yeah, <laughs> I, I think you're right there. So obviously Gothmog gets 100%. So it's like, yeah, yeah. it's never like worth it. But that's good enough. If your opponent doesn't counter, like, sorry, just heroic move on you, you've won. Like, that's you right. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so yeah, it was interesting because there was a turn where, yeah, you could have moved, basically had Kamul and like six knights, I think, or cataphracts, maybe five or six. And you were like, well, it's my last point of mind. If I move and yeah. you just get the master of battle, it's fucking yeah, yeah. over. Um, yeah. And so you just sort of let it go, and it, uh, yeah, I just ended up getting all the ninjas in all the right places. Yeah. Got a got a lucky dagger kill on a whole model, so it was <laughs> six into a six into a six, which yeah. was fucked. Yeah. Um, and then it uh, it sort of just evolved into there. Couldn't touch Kamul. He either won his combats or just didn't get hurt. And then uh, we yeah. just utterly chewed on those on those cataphracts. Yeah, I think I played Kamul well, not and the dragon knight move was not good, but. Yeah, I, I did a assassination with Kamul behind the lines. I, I just thought I was like, I didn't need the black dart, but I was like, oh, I'll just throw one <laughs> yeah. die black dart at this at this uh, drummer to free up some space. Oh, I threw it at the banner. Yeah, you got the banner. But he could pass it only onto the drummer, who was then outside of one inch of everyone else, basically. So, yeah, rolled a six on the black dart and then killed the banner. You had to pass the banner onto the cavalry drummer next door. Yep. I fly over... Uh, kill that drummer um, banner's gone because it can't be passed on and then I've heroic combated um, thinking that I might charge other models but actually just went back behind the lines which you know if you had tougher lines I think would be the way to do it because the problem that people most most of the time have with their fell beasts is they they won't they'll leave it behind the lines yeah and then you're stuffed particularly yeah. if you got those heroes there and they get a trap like yeah if you yeah. had have just stayed there and maybe charged some like maybe one or two random dragon knights yeah, just the next turn it. Rutabi gets you That's like 100% right. yeah. whereas flying back was good you had another chance at something else Yeah. and in, in what you're saying with the black dart into the pass off into the charge was all really good there was also a potential that you could have got at the captain but it just sort of worked out that Rutabi's control zone I had yeah, I deliberately yeah. placed it right near the captain Yeah. and it was sort of lucky that it just worked out that you couldn't yeah, get yeah. Yeah, well, that, that yeah, that's all the points were really in the yeah. assassination and protect. Like, yeah, yeah. If you did get that kill, it's just like a six all, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was it was worth going for that at least. Um, yeah. yeah, it just sort of it devolved, and it was just Kamul left all on his lonesome against. Yeah. It was still about thirteen ninjas or something, and the and the two heroes. But uh, you did well to try and claw it back. I think I just got lucky in that um, in that first engagement, and Rutabi got got to where she needed yeah yeah it's such a good profile it's really good to come up against it because i you know i've got those models and still haven't used them yet and i'm planning to bring them out probably in the next round of the slow grow yes yeah, um hell yeah yeah but I, I was writing a list today before our match and was gonna bring her so i'm actually like, glad <laughs> that that didn't off. happen yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah right, awesome game i always really enjoy playing against you and learn something new every time um Fortunately, you've been beating me most of the time lately. But, that's okay. That's okay. Uh, it gives me uh, an incentive to uh, work uh, on my, my my skills and. <laughs> nah, you'll you'll come back um, all the better next time. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Nice one. Thanks, Jim. Thank you. Alrighty. Round two. Round two. How was that? Yeah. Very good.
Very good. Nice to actually, um, nice to actually hear some interviews. Although listening back to it, I, I probably should apologise for the background noise in my interview with Jared. Mate, did you uh, hear the birds in my interview? That well, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Classic, classic audio quality from the two towers. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, let's talk about your game. How first of all, how was the four hundred points limit? So four hundred points. It's not one you play often. No, it isn't. It's that in between, isn't it? Um, it was interesting. Uh, I kind of feel like it's it is that no man's land, yeah. though, right? In yeah. between five hundred and three hundred. Three hundred's interesting. Five hundred's interesting. Four hundred's a bit weird. Yeah, I think. it I just th- has neither advantage that the other two have. I think. Yeah, like I felt like I had a decent army, but yeah. just it was still a bit small. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, uh, it was great having Angbor. Um, yeah, he, he did some real relevant. Work. Yeah, he did some real work. Like not only his fearless bubble, but just his killing. Like he managed to, he he was really pivotal pivotal in taking off um, some of those um, orcs and and men of uh, Rudawar um, that um, Jared was proxying in. Um, I think we mentioned that in the in the interview. Yeah, um, sweet idea, by the way. Really cool. Love it, and really really nailed it. Pulled it off. Um, so, um, but the game as a whole, we were playing Fog of War, as you would have heard. Um, it was, um, it was probably the most confident I've been going into an Angmar matchup. Yeah. Often, you know, they've got so many tricks, but I was like, I've got feelings. You kind of switch off half of it. So I should be okay. I think I should be able to, to manage it. And it really did help like anywhere outside of that fearless bubble for the majority of the game the only people that were outside of it were clansmen who were courage five anyway so um they generally love it although (laughs) you would have heard yeah that that last round where jared spookied one of the clansmen off my um terrain that was my objective was a pretty nice clutch move and i think it was it was probably um you know, a little uh, consolation prize for him because mm. I had basically not given him the opportunity to use any of those shenanigans for pretty much the whole game. Um, so, no, it was it was a really enjoyable game um, against um, Jared. I think the key moment, though, or the key the key move was just all about Angbor on the flank. And yeah. I, think, yep. I think that's where clansmen are the best, right? Because... On the absurd corner case that you fall outside of Imrahil's 12-inch banner. Come with me. Mm-hmm. Come with me. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there is a... Is it possible? <laughs> I'm trying to picture. No. But but if... <laughs> if that were to happen, or if somehow Imrahil's banner were to be turned off for a turn by a, a magical dwarf, um, then... Mm. At least Angbor gives his clansmen uh, a banner reroll. Yeah. Right? So they have Which that. Is often overlooked because I'm going to be honest, yeah. I overlooked it. <laughs> it's, it's in the shadow of Imrahil's absurd banner. Um, but no, it's um, like they, they actually operate as a really cool flanking force and, and they're, they're a great glass cannon. Like if they get momentum, which they did in this game, they just chew through things mm. like those mm. two-handed weapons just put orcs to bed very very quickly like you pair them up with in this case i had a couple of um, mounted knights of dol amroth and they clean house yeah clean house like that flank that that jared um kind of put a few orcs to to try and stop me from getting around it basically became my um heroic combat springboard mm. um ouch yeah, yeah. so 
Um, that I think that was probably the the most key movement. The the other thing as well, I think um, Jared's still um, kind of coming to grips with uh, the magic in his list and how yes. to how to best use it. And so I was talking to him about it afterwards around um, like things like paralyze, right? Because in my mind, um, very rarely will I throw a one dice paralyze. Like if I want something oh. paralyzed, oh, in that the turn, early game, yeah. right? Like. Yeah. I want it paralyzed now. Yeah. I'm chucking at least two yeah. at that to make sure it kind of goes off. Um, and and then... Well, and I guess that that discussion changes depending on what it is. Imri Hill's very fast burn in theory. <laughs> yeah. So you want to stop it immediately. Cause yeah. Like every turn he, in theory, kills a couple orcs. Yeah. Doesn't, didn't <laughs> seem to happen this game. But, no. So you got to switch it quick. Yeah. Whereas if it's, I don't know... Uh, what's the biggest orc Durin if it's Durin yeah. he's killing an orc a turn two if he's lucky yep. you can you can slow burn throw one throw one throw yep. one throw one but yep. if it's something yeah heavy <laughs> yeah 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 get it yeah. down straight away especially if the lines are clashed and Imra Hill is in in the thick of it right and you mm. can potentially put some serious hurt on yeah him. and if you can kill that banner for example yeah yeah so you could even yeah you would two or three dice to paralyze yeah 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 but it's the threat of activation as much as, as anything because it is it is but uh well the the dual magic threat was um interesting in this case right because you had um witch king throwing mm. immobilizers at me and i was like i'll cop that i'll yep. cop that any day of the week because i had to save the will for that paralyze, paralyze. yeah um, but interestingly as well with the, with the Witch King, I think, um, from memory, Jared was throwing out, uh, a lot of black darts as opposed to compels or, um, uh, immobilizers, the transfixes, um, which I, th- I think is kind of a, um, it's, and, and I'm, I'm saying this as much as reflecting on when I started using magic. Yeah. It's that kind of thing where black dart is a very tangible, like, cause and effect, right? Like I throw a black dart and I take a piece off the board mm-hmm. as opposed to um, compel, um, especially compel where it's like I move your piece a little bit into a more exposed position yep. than I can exploit, right? Like yep. there's a few more um, steps to that. So I think when you're starting out with magic, the black dart is like the, almost the more obvious one, yeah. but it's not necessarily the correct choice a lot of the time and i would say most of the time yeah it's the incorrect one yeah the 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 use of black dart on a banner is huge yep the use of black dart on a on a horse for a very powerful mounted hero is very important yeah especially now that they got faq to to basically be irresistible yeah uh but to me immobilize mainly transfix and compel but immobilize is one of the strongest spells in the game because for all intents and purposes that model is turned off for a turn yep um, with Imri Hill, it's hard because he has this huge passive effect. Yeah. So you want to try and kill him. Yeah. But switching off a you know 160 point model for one turn out of a what seven six seven turn game, you know you've you've essentially killed one sixth of him. Yeah. And if you do it two to three turns in a row, and he's not impacting the game, yeah. you're sapping the tempo off your opponent. So you know that's five extra orcs you have now. Yeah. So whereas a black dart. If you, if you, he'll, he'll take the horse, which will save orcs. Yeah. But once you've done that, there's no point trying to black dart him to death while he kills seven orcs. That's true. You just hold him back with the immobilize, keep your orcs alive mm. in this case, and hopefully you can impact the game more mm. with five orcs and a, and a frozen Imrahil than five, or, like five less orcs and a damaged Imrahil. 
Yeah, that's it. That's it. I mean, admittedly, Imre Hill, like in this instance, Imre Hill wasn't yeah. doing a whole lot. <laughs> that's, that's speaking theoretically um, for what Imre Hill should have done. And he, and he should have been immobilizing and paralyzing Angbor because that guy was going, <laughs> going ham. Um, but no, it's, um, it's, it's obviously, like Angmar's a tricky list to play yeah. because you've got so many, um, you've got so, so many pieces that are reliant on one another to go off. Yeah. Um, and I think, and, and in this case, I kind of denied the biggest one around the, the terror control. Um, yeah. The spoopies not being able to spook properly. Yeah. And even just my guys just being able to charge wherever I wanted. It's huge. True. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's Their just, I, is gone. Yeah, yeah. I pick it and, and the harbinger of evil doesn't, you know, it, all of these synergies yeah. uh, kind of fall apart. Mm. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a tough round for Jared. I don't think, I think like my list was as close to a hard counter as you could really yeah. come. The, the important thing, I guess, for Fog of War at this lower points value is there's a known target. Yeah. Now, did Jared change the way he played? Because he probably should have been trying to snipe. Yeah, he should have. Angbor. He should have. I think... there's six points on the table. Yeah, and and it's because Angbor was kind of off to one flank for the majority of the game and most of his army was away from there. Mm. So, um, he... And, and I was purposefully trying to keep him... Um, outside well, yeah. of paralyzed range, and um, and then um, you know keep him behind terrain to try and obscure him as much as possible. Um, but yeah, I th- I feel like that's probably where Jared came unstuck because yeah. I managed to get into Barrowite and take it down in the end. Yeah. Um, and and Angbor was still still standing. Um, I guess importantly here, I think if he if he was able to do it once Imra here was stuck in. You know, the Barrow White was chucking a paralyzer through or whatever, trying to hold him back. The Witch King probably could have gone on this little side quest. Yeah, he, he, he should have. one-shot Angbor. Yeah, he should have. He absolutely should have. Um, the, the, the thing that I had in my favor was the fact that I had the, the two mounted knights at the oh, back yeah. there who managed to um, charge from Angbor into the Witch King. So they were yes. in that fearless yeah. um, bubble. Um, and that effectively shut down the not only the Witch King's magic, but his ability to actually come after Angbor as well. Yeah. And even if you got in there, if there's n- mounted models around, you remove the knockdown, yeah. which is how it's a flash kill. Yeah. And now it becomes a grind. And yeah, yeah, the yeah. Witch King doesn't want to be there no, grinding. No, no especially not, in, not in, uh, inside the Fearless Bubble. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, again, yeah. it's like my counter charges are going to go off yeah. regardless. So. Yeah, that's interesting. That's pretty tough for Jared. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so very difficult. Um, uh, it was a really enjoyable game and lovely to see. Um, like Jared has a really lovely looking um, Angmar army. He's done a really lovely job on, on painting it up. So yeah, he um, chose a really cool blue. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I hope you've got photos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure I do. And if I don't, then I'll probably have to um, hit him up and, yeah. and stage some photos because the 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 color scheme's great. Um, and he's done a really interesting job of, um, bringing that into the men of Rudaur as well. Nice. Cause he didn't want to just do, um, the same blue cloth. Cause he's like, that's for the spooky orcs. Yeah, 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 and yeah, these yeah. guys are just hillmen. Yeah. So I think from memory, he had the fletching in the arrows. Cool. Um, oh, for oh, the, to tie the color in. Yeah, yeah. to tie that, that teal color in. And then I think he had just some really like sparing markings on the shields. Sick. 
So yeah. it was applied in a different way to the orcs, but it all looked cohesive. Oh, it was really good. Really, oh, really very good. good. Well done, Jared. But that's my game out of the way. Geordie, how did you go? Who were you playing? Well, we had Jim, dear friend of the podcast, dear an honor, the podcast. honorary member at this stage. Yeah, uh, yeah it was a cool game. Um, Easterlings v Easterlings. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I pulled the fast one on him. I think he thought I was still uh, doing my other list. Yeah, yeah. Which we'll still save. Yeah, I know yeah, we've, yeah, we've yeah. hinted at that a couple of times. It's a cool list. Anyway, we'll get there when we get there. Uh, so he had his all mounted cab. And he had a drum as well. Mm. Uh, I had a drum so I could almost keep up, kind of, but not quite. Have you ever run all-mounted Easterlings before? No. It would mm. be interesting. Mm. I don't think it would be good, good. Yeah. But it would be fun. Do you think it, it's it's obviously very point-specific? Do you think it works at the 400-point mark? No, I think me and Jim might have even discussed this, that, like, it's a, like Kamal's strong at 400 for sure. But I think Kamul would rather just have an anvil. Yeah. Because he's the hammer. So yeah, having yeah, yeah. the cav, who hardish to kill, but they're not harder than... If you get the charge, they're not harder than anyone no. else. No, they're just a big base infantry. Just a big base infantry, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think the cav at this point is maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. well, specifically Easterlings. I'm sure you could pull off like Thranduil and, and his horses. Oh, cause, sure. Because they get a six-inch banner for free, so whatever. And the plus one to wound yeah, stuff wound as wound well. Anyway. Yeah. Probably possible for other lists, yeah. maybe even beacon, but no, no not at Eastlings, I don't think. But. Yeah, yeah. And there's 16 points if you get into Black Dragon, which is yeah, a lot. It's a lot of points. For not much. No. And they get, again, they get the Gleaming Horde, but it's like bumping to Defense 7 isn't so big. You'd, you'd rather, like, better offense, almost. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. So, yeah, Jim, the initial, we, we rolled up Fog of War, of course. Yep. And it's Fog of War, like, like we discussed, with a known target. So, yep. it's not, it doesn't play the same. No, it's not the, it's not necessarily the scenario we know and love it's, of, like, the guessing, yeah, game, the guessing game and the counterplay. Like, it's, it's much more straightforward. Yeah, it's, assa- it basically com- becomes assassination. I'm coming for you, yeah. you know, you know who I'm going yeah. for. Um, yeah. The only spanner in the works is the, the terrain, but, like, that's, that's the second thought, because the heroes are each worth essentially a, a six point swing yeah 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 exactly yeah um so yeah i i had to kill his dragon knight and he had to kill my captain yeah uh so it was an easy little you know easy little skirmish there basically jim was kiting me yeah um and he was just i guess waiting for the right moment to strike because yeah. he didn't gain an advantage per se um but you know he wanted to get the right timing i guess so i pinpointed what I what I think you do with kite armies is you just gotta chase one point into a corner right. so they can't just keep running, running, running. Um because if you try and spread, I think maybe that's what he was trying to get me to Hoping, go for. Yeah, yeah. If you spread, then they're faster than you and they'll clump in on somewhere. Yep. And now yep. you're fighting three to one points yep. wise. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. instead I tend to just chase one bit. Yeah. Of course there's no shooting here properly, so I'm not under pressure. Yeah. Um, so we... Did you get any shots on? Like, you... The you daggers? Had, yeah. Uh, I know... Or I got, your captain as well, because your captain has a bow. Yeah, so... I think... I, I did... I did hit Kamal turn one with a shot, and he'd hit Kamal. Ooh. Um, and I think I just... I think I rolled bad. I think yeah. I'd like to wound. Yeah. So it was close, but yeah. I think it put the fear of... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Ring rate's very scary when a bow hits them. Oh, they've been known. And in this logo as well, I know Jared had a really tough oh, round no. one where it was like he... Suladan with his oh. bow 
with like two in the ways, got through and popped the Witch King round wow. one. Wow. And that's that's over. That's game <laughs> over. <laughs> Poor Jared. Um, but so yeah, I mean it's it's every ring race worst nightmare. Yep, yep. Um so yeah, he was able to the kite and I just sort of kept moving up. He kept pre-measuring um, I believe because I was moving nine inches, quote unquote, yeah. like a dagger six. So he yeah. kept pre-measuring. I think it was like 15 inches sure. to stay away. Sure. Um, so I kept moving up. But then on a certain turn when I felt like I was in a strong position, there was a, basically a, I was surrounded by a big rock on my right and a big building on the left. Yeah. So it was sort of hard to get around as it were. And Kamul was kind of quite far away because yeah. Jim had to move first here. I offered up my captain. So, because everyone else could move nine, Jim was obviously clearly out of my charge range. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My captain can move freaking 20 inches, whatever he wants, like <laughs> 15, but you know, as far as he wants. So I moved my captain all the way up in range of his Dragon Knight. Yep. And of course, well, that's his target yeah, yeah, yeah. kill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Dragon Knight's it's a lot better than a captain. It's juicy. It's juicy. Uh, so I, I left that there. I think he won the. He had to do a heroic move off because oh. uh, my captain could pin the models you know if i got the charge i would pin his model so yeah, either way yeah. i'm catching him somehow yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah and I, yeah. it would have been the dragon knight so yeah. i'm catching yeah. him one way or the other yeah so he won the the move off and charged me yep to sort of try and get the initiative uh and uh very importantly you know heroic done i i was my priority so i had to move very importantly kamul was over 12 inches away i think he was like 14 or 15 Right, okay. So I, there was there was no way for me to stop being in range of Kamal's magic. Yeah. But very importantly, I pre-measured to be out of his 12. Yeah, yeah. so he couldn't just straight charge you. He couldn't straight charge. Yeah. And this came clutch because as you heard, yeah. Kamal with his his uh, compel. Yeah. And I think me and Jim even talk about this maybe on in the interview, and if we didn't, we talk about it afterwards for sure. Like how clutch Kamal missing that round of combat was. Yeah. Like... He could have done so much with it. He obviously could have heroic combated, killed yeah. like six dudes. He could have hurled. My ninjas yeah. aren't flash it against a hurl, you know? Yeah. So that turn lost of Kamul was was almost literally just game ending. Which is often the case in those low points. Like there are pivotal moments yeah. that I, either I win or you lose. Make or break, yeah. yeah. So, um, and because how many will did he throw it? So he threw three. Which is a fair amount. Which is a lot. I mean, he starts with 12. Yeah. yeah but, yeah. We, you know, as we discussed, like 400 points is is smaller. So the games are quicker. Yeah. So you could, I, I think you could get away with spending more. Like you could be yeah. more frivolous with your will. Yeah. Because each turn matters more than, you know, your will store matters as it were. Yeah. You're not really playing the, the long game as it were because things swing so quickly. Yeah. Things are over very, very quickly. And, um, and especially with um, Kamal who has the opportunity to get will back yeah, as well. He's right? like the one wraith who can really play the long game. Yeah. Well, and the Knight of Umbar, but you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Undying, yeah. but he's the one wraith at this, <laughs> at this points level that you would use that can play the long game. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, that was really important. And then the other thing Jim stuffed up in, uh, I think it would have been the turn after. Yeah. He, he had charged, you know, my cab again. Yeah. But there was a second line of cab that was blocking up. Yeah. He didn't charge that model. It looked like I was screened. Or more specifically, it looked like Rutabi was screened out. Yeah. Because um, he charged all the other ninjas across the board that were in front of Rutabi. Yeah. And then I just quickly moved that cab out of the way and Jim was like, oh, Ooh. shit. 
<laughs> so it's that uh, you know ripping the tablecloth out. Yeah, uh, yeah, from yeah. Every it's like a little moment. magic trick. Yeah, for yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. So Rutabi got in on the Dragon Knight. Yeah. Uh, either he was trapped, or I just got lucky with my rolls. I can't recall what of the two, but we we got the Dragon Knight in one turn. Ouch. Um. So he probably struck, and I probably mastered and, and beat him. Yeah. Uh, so Rutabi's master battle strikes again. Uh, and so I had the six points locked in yeah. um, for the, the hero kill. Well, sorry, the three points locked in and taken away from Jim. That's right. Uh, and then, so I just had to keep my captain alive. She just sort of ran loops around a rock, basically, as as sort of Kamal could see her. And then she ran around and Kamal <laughs> couldn't see her. And then, so that was a little bit of cat and mouse. Yeah, we had a little bit of um, a Benny Hill moment yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it was just, I think... My models, the ninjas, are actually kind of good against Cav. The the two attacks. Yeah. So we're yeah. always on a, a best yeah. or an even playing field in the dual role. You know, I'm two attacks and you're two attacks. Yeah. Like at your best case scenario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then obviously if I get the charge, I'm twice as good as you. The fight four was key enough, but it was just uh, Jim couldn't win, didn't win enough combats. And I think a couple of charges he did win, I think he failed to kill as well, which was a bit rough. Yeah, that is rough. And then it was... Uh, Kind of a grind. He got the, he broke. He tried to keep me off the objective, but like it was too much. You know, I had too much. Yeah, momentum, too much momentum. So yeah, yeah, it, yeah, was, yeah. it was tough. He was working with like two models against my like twelve. Or I was going to say. I mean, you've got the numbers advantage at that point with yeah. with the the amount that you've got, and it's yeah, it's hard. It's hard to come back from that. Another thing, we didn't even. I didn't even know at the time, or I didn't pay attention to at the time, was I had a big advantage against Cav, cause ninjas. Have unyielding combat stance. Oh yeah, so they don't get knocked over on, on like a, a four plus. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. have been knocked over. Yeah, so yeah. even more so. Yeah. Like we didn't roll it. It probably didn't come up enough to matter. But yeah. like I could. It's another nice thing. I just think they're great profiles. The ninjas. They're strong. The f- two attacks five four is a very good stat line. I'm really. But they're brittle. You know. Yeah, they are brittle, and I'm really actually glad. I know that they copped a lot of hate for not being strength four, but I actually really enjoy no, the fact that they're not, not strength, be strength four, four because it it you know like they're not iron guard, right? Yeah. Yeah. Iron guard it's a completely separate beast and yeah. different points cost and blah blah blah. Yeah. But and and I think people wanted them to be like a, a corsair reaver or a, or an iron guard. Yeah. And it's like we've already got those. Yeah. Yeah. Like go and play Corsairs, go yeah, and play exactly. Dwarves if you want it. If you want that, like this is I like that Easterlings have their own flavor. Yeah. It's good. It's much more unique to to have a weak yeah. two attack model than, I pr- than another I, strong one. Totally, I prefer to have a a, a weak. Um, we're we're doing yeah. parentheses. Yeah, here. we've got the quotes going. <laughs> uh, with with some interesting flavor special rules yeah. that support the narrative of what that model's about, yeah. than just one extra stat point. Yeah, right. So very cool. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, it was a, it was a good game, and uh, Jim was sort of yeah maybe misplayed with his Dragon Knight. Yeah. Unfortunately, but it was sort of like I forced him into it, you know. I don't yeah. know if there's too much to be done. And then the Kamal tra- uh, transfix was just so vital. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was sort of decided on that first turn of combat. Yeah, yeah, interesting, interesting. Um, okay, well, I think that wraps it up for um, this first installment of the yeah, slow grow. Of the slow grow. Um, the next, uh, the next round is going to be 500 points. 500, yeah. 
Um, and it's going to be the classic two towers in fighting. Uh, walk again. in strife. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty early in the league as well. Yeah, all thank versus Baradua Ichihara. Um, so um, I guess uh, stay tuned for um, the next episode. We'll we'll probably do an intro just on what our five hundred points list. Yeah, are. we'll do a quick recap. Um, we won't go then, as in depth as in this episode. Like, no, the next one will genuinely be a pretty short episode. But I yeah. think that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. mix it up. Mix Little it up. snack. That's it. That's it. Green Dragon have started doing short episodes. Oh, I mean, what the hell? What a revelation! They've gone from eight hours to. Uh, <laughs> To one, it's such a big... No, 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 it's like 20 minutes. 20 minutes? Yeah, yeah, what? yeah. What? Yeah, oh, it's great. Yeah. It's great. I like it. I really, really enjoy it. Um, so, why not? Let's uh, let's jump on that yeah. bandwagon yeah. Um, and stand on the shoulders of giants. Uh, but, dear listener, until next we are together, have fun hobbying. And have fun gaming. See, See you later. later.